Hey everybody, Lee from Black and White Reviews here. Want to take a moment and let you know that we've been going through a lot of our archived discussions, and we realize some of them are actually not that bad. The only downside with them is the quality level is not quite up to par with what we've been doing lately. However, some of the few discussions we've put up recently seem to be getting a lot of really great responses. They're usually about older movies that we grew up with, and things like that, um, i.e. Superman and even Die Hard with a Vengeance, things like that. Um, if you haven't heard those ones, check them out. Uh, they're old school, they're pretty funny. But in reality, the biggest difference between the old ones and the new ones is, is actually the audio quality. So the one you're about to listen to right now is a very old one, um, and the quality is definitely not where we are now. So we hope you can bear with it. We hope you enjoy it either way. Um, if the quality is not so great, I'm sorry, you can send us a comment or whatever, or just switch over to a different discussion. But either way, we hope you enjoy this classic from the Black and White Archives. Welcome to this week's edition of Black and White Commentaries, where we discuss um, anything we want to, really, when it comes to the world of film and television and anything else that we want to get into. This week we're yeah, going to be... So far we only talk about movies. We never talk about TV shows because, meh, whatever. Meh. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, it might come one day, maybe, if you know, this thing takes off and somebody actually wants us to. I'm open to the idea. So I'm just throwing it out oh. there now. Um, yeah. This week we're going to be we talking about... We can't do Breaking the... Bad, though. It... <laughs> we can't do Breaking Bad. You read my mind. You read my mind. You absolutely read... We cannot do Breaking Bad. You absolutely read my mind. See, okay, I can't find anything we, wrong with that so, show, so I'm sorry. Before <laughs> be, before we even get into it, I know, I know that you know about the um the movie that's going to be coming out about Aaron Paul and what happens to him afterwards. Uh, no. Well, they are doing it, and that is something that I absolutely want to talk about. Oh boy! Just okay. just putting that out there is something that I want to talk about, and there's no way that we're going to be able to talk about that without discussing Breaking Bad. Right. 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 Okay, well, what are we talking about today? This week, we're going to be talking about the 2005 film Batman Begins, directed by Christopher Nolan, starring Christian Bale, Michael Caine, Liam Neeson, Katie Holmes, Gary Oldman, and Killian Murphy. Mm-hmm. I had one question coming out of this movie. and How do you pronounce it, it, Killian Murphy's name? <laughs> Is it Killian or Cillian, right? That was, with, that the was exception, with, with, with the exception of that, while I was doing my research, I had one question coming out of this movie. How did Warner Brothers or, or, or DC not give DC to Chris Nolan? How is that? Mm. Why was he not like the first person to come to mind? I mean, this is the person that arguably saved the Batman franchise after the Schumacher debacle. I right. don't understand. I don't understand. I don't get it. I mean, this movie, it's not perfect. It has its flaws. But of course. coming off of what Joel Schumacher did with Batman and how much of a success <laughs> this movie was, that's yeah. that's an accomplishment. I because after what was it? What was the last one that uh, he did? Batman Forever? No, no, that was Batman and Robin. Where, okay, where Batman Batgirl and Robin was introduced. Okay. Batman and Robin and was Alf, the last Alf movie that was sick. <laughs> yeah, good. Okay, very nice. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> but after that, I didn't. At the time, I didn't think that we were going to get another Batman movie. I thought, oh, well, they killed this off, and this is done, and now it's just toys, and, well, thankfully, we're going to have the cartoon. And then Christopher Nolan comes out with this epic of a film, and it's just, it, it, it baffles me. 
how well i think here they went it, 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 not only does it baffle not only does it baffle me that they didn't choose him but they went with Zack schneider of all people and i can only imagine it's because of the success of watchmen but even watchmen his hand was held throughout the entirety of that that production by some of the creators of the Watchmen comics. So how it's I don't know. So so here's here's what I'm going to say about this. So Chris Nolan takes over uh, this Dark Knight franchise. Um, so I think one big thing to consider, or one thing to remember when you're looking at these films, is it's not a Batman movie. It's it's a whole new thing. It's not even saying like oh let's just like you know take Batman and go different. You're like you took somebody who does not make superhero films you know never has and you you say okay how how can we find a way to take a, a superhero character and put them in a more real world type situation not this goofiness with the theatrical you know some penguin man living underground you know i i mean hey i'm not saying anything bad against the burton films but it's like how do you take it and make it more realistic um make it a little bit more with the times um and Chris Nolan has a really interesting way of making movies. You know, we've seen stuff. I mean, what was it five years before Batman Begins? He made he made Memento, right? Mm-hmm. So five years before, wow! It seems like it was pretty much around the same time. But um, so you got Memento, which is a really interesting movie, very well put together. I, I think it was. I mean, that's a whole other conversation we can have maybe another day. But you you take somebody from that. Like I'm wondering who thought. Who said, you know what? Hey, let's get Chris Nolan to do a Batman film. It's very it's, out of the ordinary. It's out it doesn't of, it seem is out like of the it ordinary, sense. but it worked. So I think that's what made this very different. And, I mean, we can go back, and I know we've talked about a few other films where we say this changed, you know, the face of superhero movies. But in reality, I mean, I know we talked about this as well, too, but one thing was, like, I was saying Spider-Man, you know, Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2. Um the Sam Raimi movies that really brought a new a new feel to superhero movies, and I thought that it was a great touch. But Batman Begins, I feel, is on a totally different level where you don't watch it saying, I'm watching a superhero movie. You watch this and you say, like, I'm watching this really cool movie. I mean, I it, get, it, doesn't feel, it does not feel like a superhero movie to me. I get where you're coming from, and I agree with you when it comes to the first hour or so of this film. After the first mm-hmm. hour, it feels like you're watching a completely different movie, and the second half of the movie is a superhero movie. That's that's oh, right, that's right, right. where that's kind of where I'm going to disagree with you on that. Um, I'm not going to say the movie fell apart. I'm not, but I think it could have benefited from taking the first hour of the film where Batman is well, where Bruce Wayne is off learning how to become a ninja, and everything mm-hmm. with the League of Shadows, rather than deviating off into okay now he's going to go back to Gotham and you have everything with Scarecrow and then at the end of the movie we're going to reintroduce the League of Shadows it felt kind of out of place it does it, to me it feels like you're watching two completely different movies to be honest that's kind of the feeling that I got when I walked away from this it I don't want to bash on it but it did leave kind of a bad taste in my mouth I um really? a little bit a little bit. I was left kind of confused was how am I supposed to feel and how am I supposed to view this film? Am I supposed to view this film as, like you said, a really cool movie that Christopher Nolan is doing about Bruce Wayne? Or am I supposed to walk away mm-hmm. from this movie feeling, okay, that was a good origin story for Batman? 
you kind of get both, but at the same time, you're sacrificing both because right, it, right. It, both feel a little bit underwhelming and unfulfilled by the end of it. But uh, well, I think I think for me, that's why I kind of like I like it because you, you don't go into it with, and you don't you don't come out with the same aftertaste as a normal superhero film. I no, mean, you don't. Then not again, at all. Go back. Okay, Batman's never been. A, Batman's not a superhero. He's got no superpowers. He's just a smart guy who's got a lot of money and knows how to fight. <laughs> you know. Well, so if I mean, you're, if you're if you're talking about a detective esque Batman like we've seen in the cartoons, then yeah, he's a super smart guy. Yeah. yeah. We're not looking at the detective super smart guy. We're we're looking at we're we're not even looking at the Playboy. Where like like Clooney did, we're looking at a very plain Bruce Wayne. I this is not yeah. my favorite. This is not he. Um, Christian Bale was my favorite Batman, not my favorite Bruce Wayne. I think Clooney did a damn good job of playing Bruce Wayne in a really bad movie. Uh, yeah, I can see that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Well, anyway, I mean, one one big thing I thought it was just it was really cool, and I thought. Um, about it was like the practicality of it all, you know. They didn't just say, "Oh, he's got these really cool things," and and you know his butler made it. Okay, no, you go we'll back get to, to that. Whole, yeah, I mean, so but it, it's all about it's all about practicality. So, like I said, this is before Iron Man, which you know how I feel about Iron Man. I love the fact that Iron Man was so relevant. They're over in the Middle East. He gets hit by terrorists. He's in a cave. And around that time, I mean, what what is the U.S. doing? They're over in the Middle East trying to find a guy in a cave. It's like, wow, this is all kind of coming together here. You know, you, know, you so just – you, you, Go ahead. Finish. I know. I don't want to deviate too far into Iron Man. No, you're, you're, Iron you're, Man. Actually, you're actually <laughs> not. You're actually – without even knowing it, you're just setting me up for one segue after another <laughs> of two of the biggest problems that I have with this movie. <laughs> Okay. And you didn't anyway. and you didn't even know it cuz we're going to and we're we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Um the first point, well, the point that you brought up about Iron Man and the Middle East and everything that we're doing over there, there is also you have Ra's al Ghul at the end who wants to eradicate um eradicate Gotham City because of similar reasons. This is this is a place where corruption is just running rampant and there is no moral compass. There there is no hope for this area and there's no way of talking about Razago's motivations without getting a little political, and I really don't want to do that, but you can say the same thing about some areas in the world, especially in 2005. Mm-hmm. So there is that. And the other point that you brought mm-hmm. up, what was the first point that you brought up? I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Great. Anyways. Iron Man, practical, Realistic. Oh, Iron Man, Iron Man, brain practical, and it doesn't get it all of his all of his tools from Alfred. No, he just happens to stumble upon an area of his own business that has everything there waiting for him. Right. I thought that was interesting, but I but, the, but then again, <laughs> that's what I like about it. No, no, what I like about it is it's not like he just found this bat suit and jumped into it. You know, I mean, he kind of did. So let, let he kind of does. Back to what I wanted to start with. Let me let me go back. One thing I really like about this, and it's something that you know Nolan loves to do. I mean, obviously we've seen Memento. We know how Memento goes. It's all back and forth, back and forth. But. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's like two different stories being told. There's a story being told backwards, and then there's like a small part being told forwards of him sitting in the hotel room. Anyway, mm-hmm. the way they're doing this, I love it because you're seeing 
um, you're seeing his his beginning, you know, when he's younger and dealing with, you know, the death of his parents and everything. But while you're seeing that, you're also seeing him in the prison, getting out of the prison, climbing up the mountain. Like, all these things are happening at the same time. So you're simultaneously getting two different parts of the story, which I think is it's – a, it's a very Nolan-esque way of making a film. And, I mean, I'm not saying that no one else has ever done it, but the feel of it is like, okay, this is clearly a Chris Nolan film. And it feels really good. I like how they do it because at that point, you can do this origin and you can tell so many parts of an origin story at the same time without taking as much time as you would if you were going going through it like chronologically in the timeline. You can Mm -hmm. do a lot more doing it this way, jumping back and forth, making connections. And I think that's a really great way that, you know, this movie was put together we want to see an origin story of the batman but we don't want to sit there and go yeah i know his parents died yeah i know this happened it's like yeah that's why they go back and forth they keep your interest peaked and that's why i I, you said it feels like it's two different movies um i really love the beginning of this movie so we talk about we're seeing how it all gets you know razagul gets introduced as the great teacher in this film well, so, not even Raza 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 Ghoul is it's misdirection from the beginning. You're introduced oh, yeah. to him as as um Henry 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 Ducard. I, I hope I'm yeah, pronouncing that yeah. right. And yeah, Raza yeah. Ghoul is supposed to be the old Asian man in the back who's all I'm wise and you're gonna and it, it's it's unbelievable acting on Liam Neeson's end. I with the exception of a lot of movies that he's been in lately, I loved him in everything that he was in back in the day. I think he's an amazing actor. Um, you don't so when a particular set of skills. Yes, exactly. You nailed it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so when, so even before that, I I'm awed at how much influence uh henry i'm gonna keep calling him henry until he's probably introduces rasagu by the end of this thing (laughs) it's amazing how much influence he has over the area that he's in because he's able to just end up in a prison cell with bruce and you're gonna be released Mm -hmm. tomorrow and you're gonna bring me this blue flower and all right see you later i'm leaving bye and he pieces out who is this person why is he able to have so much influence over this prison system how i mean he's looking at gotham like it's corrupt how corrupt is this place it, I, it's just it's one of those little things that make me go okay something else is going on here and I wish that we I wish that we explored that character a little bit more than we did I wish it wasn't just house burns down Roz is left on a snowy mountain and we'll see him at the end getting ready to destroy Gotham no I want to know more about his backstory and why he's as powerful as he is and what he had to do to get there why is right. this person so that's afforded one, all? That's one thing I do want to talk about, yeah. Um, so, I mean, aside from, all, you know, a few other things I'd say, uh, let's talk about Ra's al Ghul for a second. Like, I, I know this is, like, really, like, blasphemous to say, but I'm, I've never really read a lot of comics. I know some basic characters based on some of the cartoons I've watched, some of the shows I've watched, um, you know, and then the movies and everything, and then the few well, that's, comics I have flipped through. But and I think that's, that's primarily that's, that's the way that's, things are. That's primarily, yes, primarily why I'm the saying that people are are today. But no, no, that's Rosalind primarily was, why I'm saying that's primarily why I'm saying I want to know more about his backstory because a lot of people who are going to be listening to this and you and I are included, we're not mm-hmm. comic nerds. We don't know right. the full story of of Ra's al Ghul, and I feel that would have been a benefit to this film. 
You don't need so, to go so through. So what I'm saying about Raza Ghoul, Raza Ghoul, you know, what we know about Raza Ghoul from anything else you might have watched. I mean, Raza Ghoul is this, is this dude who um, basically he's the demon's head. Um, he had a Lazarus pit, basically this thing that makes him immortal. He goes in there. It's like the fountain of youth. You know, if anything ever happens, he goes in there and then he's rejuvenated. If he ever dies, he gets tossed in and he comes back to life. They don't even bring it up here. Basically, he's just a dude with a mission. Basically, you know, with who with influence. <laughs> he's 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 mm, okay. Okay, I see where which you're going makes with that. Me go, which makes me think, okay, well, you know, if anybody was going to make Ra's al Ghul just this dude with a mission, it makes sense that Chris Nolan would do it because he doesn't go like, he doesn't try to do things that are like, you know, whoa, look, spiritual, crazy, you know, whateverness. Um, some guy's got this magical Lazarus pit. You know, that's not Chris Nolan's style. So it would no, make sense not. that he's just a dude. You know, he's just a dude with a mission, and he uses misdirection to "quote unquote" live forever. Well, I, I, I get be it. Be fair a little. Be be fair a little bit on that one. At this point in Chris Nolan's career, he has memento under his belt, so we really don't know mm-hmm. what his style is yet. Fast forward well, a few years, yeah. when you look at something like Interstellar, that opinion oh, might change a little bit. <laughs> but but what I'm saying is, but what I'm saying is, yes. fast forward a little bit. Um. The, the, the over-the-top element that you're saying isn't here is heavily involved in Interstellar. One thing yeah, that I did yeah. like, w- one thing that I did like, and we can go back to your point in a second if you want to continue. Yeah. When they're in the prison cell, and it's just Ra's al Ghul and Bruce, there is a quote, and I love it. Vigilante is just a man lost in the scrambles of his own gratification, and he can be mm-hmm. destroyed. Yep. Look at what happened at the end of Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love it, and I gushed when I heard him say that, and I said, oh. And actually, while I was watching this, I watched this movie yesterday. While I was mm-hmm. watching it, today, I watched Dark Knight again. So <laughs> made, it absolutely no, made me no. want to watch Dark Knight. Now, let's just say, all right, <laughs> because I want people to hear this. <laughs> That you I'll tell it. Refused, I'll tell it. I, I refused, refused to refused. watch that, that movie. I refused. You wanted nothing to do with Dark Knight because because I'm an old school kind of guy, and back then my yeah, exactly. heart was if still it's not, set. If it's not Caesar Romero, then you know then it's my not heart. <laughs> my heart at that time when it came to Batman belonged to Tim Burton, and I didn't think that anybody was going to be able to top Jack Nicholson, and I was proven wrong. You are not the only person that made endless fun of me when I refused to watch that movie. I had a lot of people around me going, you're out of your mind for not watching this. And I was staunch. I was staunch, staunchly against watching that movie. And I was wrong. Jared Leto. Jared Leto. Hang on a second. Jared Leto. (laughs) That's all I'm going to say. And that's all I'm going to say. Jared Leto. We're not oh, here to talk boy. about. We are not here to talk about <laughs> Suicide Squad. <laughs> I don't think anybody's on this earth to talk about Suicide Squad. Suicide so, Squad was a so big. After that, after after mistake. that moment, after that moment, and after that quote, um, Roz tasks tasks Bruce to uh, bring him a rare blue flower and carry it to the top of the mountain. And right, right. Something something small that I do want to touch upon. We get the first swell of Hans Zimmer's score throughout the entirety mm. of the Dark Knight trilogy, which is amazing. It is incredible. Oh, yeah. 
His score throughout these three films are absolutely amazing, and I understand oh, why dude, amongst you, movie fans... If you fans, have not got a chance, I don't know if they still have it on Netflix, but they had this big Hans Zimmer concert, and really? it, was, it, it was amazing. Now, um, wow. it wasn't just like, you know, it wasn't just like movie scores, like he would throw movie scores in there, but it was basically his, like this whole orchestra with like electric guitars and like, you know, like a full... Like amazing orchestra band with this, that, and anything you can imagine, and he's hopping around from instrument to instrument, just doing stuff with this whole orchestra with him on this big stage. And I was just like, I could sit there and leave and just have that on loop for the rest of my life and be happy wanna, just living my you, life with that as my background. <laughs> you want to know an interesting little piece of trivia that I found out while I was doing some research? He was slated hmm. to score *Curse of the Black Pearl*. Mm. And for whatever reason, the production team didn't like the way that it was turning out, and he was let go. And then came Batman Begins. <laughs> <laughs> and then came actually, Batman dude, Begins. you know what's really funny? Hans Zimmer. Do you know what else he did? And it's from our, it's a big part of our childhood. Mm. The Lion King. Wow, really? Yeah. Huh. We wow, listened I didn't know to that Lion one. King, and he was actually a big part of the Lion King, and it explains why. Like every time I hear, I mean, whatever, I, I, I tear. I'll, I'll be honest, I tear up a little bit when I hear some, some Lion King score. You know, when, when there's like that scene where he's talking to the cloud Mufasa, you know, his dead dad, and they get uh-huh. that. That was actually Hans Zimmer. Crazy, oh, right? Oh wow, I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, anytime and that's I think why it's like. So I'm watching ta- these new movies, and you got Hans Zimmer doing. I'm like, oh wow! Like this really, it it feels good. It, 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 it hits home for us because it's from our history. It's from our past things that we've always liked. So yeah. I thought that it's like yeah. he's been around for a while, and he's made some very inf- influential music. I mean, yeah, he weird. has. I, I'm the I'm the type of person who drives around and plays movie scores on Spotify. Uh-huh. Like that's that gets me through my day. Like people are you no, know, I feel you. to listen to me. Like that's something I I've always done. I used to drive around as a kid, or I mean, ride around my bike as a kid, blasting the Back to the Future overture. Whatever. I was a, I was a Back to the Future nerd. I got a flux capacitor tattooed on my arm. Whatever. But my point is, like I've always loved movie movie scores. I think they're phenomenal. And it's you know, could you imagine having a score in your own life? You know, just no. your life has its own movie score. No, I can't, actually. <laughs> I know that, but I do when I drive around <laughs> with Spotify playing movie scores. Actually, oh believe it or not, God. I think um, Thor 2 uh, has an amazing oh. score. We're getting oh. way off subject here, but anyway. Way off Zimmer, subject. Great. Very cool to see that. We have a lot of really cool scenes where, so Ra's al Ghul is, is definitely portrayed differently here than he is in anything else we've ever seen. Uh, you yes, see Ra's al Ghul in the Batman animated series from the 90s that you used to watch on Fox. Um, very different. You see Ra's al Ghul in the new show Gotham. Very different. I feel like they really dropped the ball on Gotham for Ra's al Ghul. So Ra's al Ghul is supposed to be like, like the big, um, like, immortal villain of Batman. Right. right. Like he that's like I mean you always think like you know Batman, oh Joker, you know like there's the opposite but then Ra's al Ghul is like a whole other level of of evil, you know, enemy. I kind of and understand I don't why think they anybody's ever really done Ra's al Ghul justice in any type of um and anything live action ever. 
I kind of understand why the decision was made not to make Ra's al Ghul an immortal in this film. Kind of the same mm-hmm. way I understand. Kind of the same way I understand why the MCU chose not to introduce any of the Eternals in the in. I'm gonna call it the Infinity Saga. It's too much. It's it's too mm-hmm. complicated. It's way too much, and especially for 2005 when the superhero movie was new. You don't want to introduce right. anything that complex and that over the top. That's just going to scare away exactly. audiences. And I get that's, it. That's, I mean, that goes back to us talking about the MCU and why they started with Iron Man and not something bigger. Right. You know, not something more ri- ridiculous. Because if they started with Thor, I would not have watched any of those movies. No offense, uh, Thor. But uh, it was just like... Uh, I think what? I would have. I think I would have. You think what? I think if they started with Thor, I still would have been in. Eh, Looking I'm back sorry. on it, I think so, I, if, if they started with a hammer, I'm all yeah, I think I, I, I think I would have been. I think I would have stayed. I think I would have stuck with it because I like Thor. So I like Thor. It, it took me. It took me two times to watch the movie, the first movie, to get into it. Actually, you know what? I didn't like Thor the first time I watched it, but I, um, the only thing I liked about it was him smashing his glass and saying, "This is delicious. So I'll have another." <laughs> Because that was just hilarious, the funniest thing I've ever seen. But I think it, was, it wasn't until I watched Avengers that I went back. Okay. Yeah, okay. whatever. So, so, here, here's, so back- here's the clear, obvious thing. We both love the MCU, and we're trying to talk DC. And no matter what we try to do, we're going to go right back to MCU. <laughs> okay, so, so you brought up a very interesting point. Whose fault is that? Is that I DC's think it's Zack fault? Snyder's fault? I, I think, think it's Zack Snyder's, Snyder's fault, fault too. <laughs> which which no offense, goes back. I, I, which I, the Watchmen didn't do it for me. I mean, not a bad wa- movie, but it just it, watch, I didn't. Watchmen absolutely did it for me. If 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 Zack Snyder kept up with that same theme and did Dawn of Justice and did the Superman movies. I would be all in with DC right now, but he didn't, and we're all suffering for it. Back to Batman. Mm. So, okay. I like I like the way this movie starts off. I like the I like how the origin story of Batman trading with the League of Shadows and his childhood and his parents dying are kind of interspliced mm-hmm. together. So they're ha- right. both happening at the same time. That's uh, actually a pretty smart choice. So you yes. don't get you don't get this long drawn out sequence of okay, we know his parents died, like you said before, and then you get exactly. another long drawn right out sequence of him becoming a, a ninja. Back and forth. Right. right, it right. was actually so pretty smart. So I like back it. Back and forth. Yeah, we're n- we're not just doing this linear. Here's his whole story because that would get way too boring. They do it in a way where it's like you're getting the full story. You're getting two different stories at the exact same time. And it's mm-hmm. making a lot of sense, and it's, it's not dragging it out. It's not being boring. Um, another, th- another thing they do when in the beginning sequences of this film is something that the other Batman films that came before it, you know, going all the way back to Adam West, kind of failed on, where they show why the relationship between Bruce and Jim Gordon are important. When Jim is the one coming up to Bruce and putting the jacket over him and going, "Okay, this is somebody that a child can trust," and he just remembers that later on in life. And it also shows right. why it also shows why Alfred is so important to him because this is the person that raised him, and you feel that in this movie. 
No other exactly. Batman film, no other Batman cartoon or TV show nope, has ever shown anything like that. And, and they fixed it. They fixed they fixed that problem in two minutes. And beautiful. I love you for it. And it was great. It, right. it explained everything to me. And I'll hold on to that throughout the entirety of the of the other two films that follow this. Yeah, which and I, and become very to, important honestly, later. It honestly, it goes back to a great cast. I think it was very, it was cast very well. The um, the chemistry between the characters was was amazing. I mean, we can talk, we can sit there and just say this character, that character, and go through it the whole time. But honestly, I think you know you're introduced to Jim Gordon right then and there, and you're like, oh, Gary Oldman, this is gonna be awesome. You know, like it, it almost makes you sad. Like, oh, Gary Oldman got Jim Gordon. Oh man, he could have done so much more. But honestly, he brought a new level of of um uh, uh, basically a whole new character to Jim Gordon that you, mm-hmm. you never see in anything else and you're like oh wow I'm really I'm really digging Jim Gordon which I yeah, think I was really springboarded the whole thing into the into the TV show Gotham let's see how Jim Gordon got where he was you know um obviously not in the ex- not in the same canon um, but it made people say, you know what, Jim Gordon's probably got a pretty cool backstory, and then they made Gotham, which right. I, I know we disagree on that. You haven't gotten into it. Um, I think I, I, Gotham, whatever, I mean, it's a whole other subject, but Gotham definitely takes a lot of influence from from all different directorial styles of the Batman live action and puts them mm-hmm. all together into one show. And I think that's what's interesting about it, because you get references. Like, I mean, for example, um, not to spoil it for anybody, um, so if you've never seen Gotham and you really want to, uh, mute this right now, don't listen. But you've got uh, Paul Rubens plays Penguin's dad at one point. And it's amazing, because only people who realize that, that Pee Wee Herman was the Penguin's dad in the very quick 30 seconds that he was actually in Batman Returns, you know, he gets, he gets like, episodes in Gotham. And you're like, how cool is that, that they said, hey, let's get Paul Rubens back to play this character again. I, I thought that was interesting. But anyway... Um, I could say so something Gordon, about Paul Rubin, but I'll cast. keep my opinions to myself. <laughs> yeah, well, anyway... My my point is it it definitely has an incredible cast. I think it was it was well done. They get further into characters that maybe they never really explored before anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe in the comics they did, maybe in some other, something else I haven't seen they did. But from what I recall, they never did get that deep into the characters. You know, you've got Lucius Fox, who I didn't really know much about him before uh this movie um neither they did do i have him in gotham as well which i think okay. is good um i i know lucius fox did exist but i don't think he was he was as connected as involved as he was in the movie and in the uh in the show gotham so mm. i like that they're doing it the way they're doing it um one big thing and i'm just kind of going to go down my my list of things i kind of noticed here as we're talking about it but you know what all these years, we've seen Batman, and he's got these weird gloves, right? These mm. gauntlets. Right. We finally see in this whole training scene that the gauntlets have a purpose, and it's a wicked cool purpose. It's for sword fighting. How amazing is that? It's to block swords. The League of Shadows uses these gauntlets. It's part of their, their ninja armor. 
or whatever, you know? And it's like, wow, Batman's not just being weird with these weird little wingy-looking things, you know, which we've yeah. seen since, like, way before, even before Adam West, you know, that's been this this thing. And you're like, what's what's that all about? Oh, it's just, it's just a design. But I love that everything about the Batman uh, costume or uniform, whatever you want to call it, um, everything about his his armor is for a reason in this movie. Hmm. It's not just yeah. it's not just some joke. You know, he's got the ears, which yeah, they look like a bat, but he's also got these these um you know super hearing things in there, so he can hear things. It's like oh, that's actually really cool. There's an antenna that picks up sound, and then you've got the gauntlets, which is a piece of armor used to you know fight against like swords and other weapons like that. It's like wow, okay, so there's a practicality again. Back to the practicality of the Batman suit. They explored something that no one else ever did. They took it out of the of the theatricality and made it practicality. That's okay, what I so really you're, liked about it. You're you're where you say practicality, I'm going to say convenience. It like again, convenience. it's just conven- okay. it's just convenient that he owns all of this and it's all in some lab at Wayne Tower, just hidden away from the world, stuff that was never picked up, stuff that was never patented, stuff that was never sold off to the military and whatnot. It's just all there for him and for the taking. It's very, very convenient. Uh, that's, and very I'm convenient, not, but here, here we go. We're talking about Bruce Wayne, and in everything we've ever seen about Bruce Wayne, he's never taken advantage of the fact that he owns a technology company. So Bruce Nolan's like, uh, duh, guys, he owns a technology company. Like, he owns it. He can do whatever he wants with this stuff. And it's, it's, a, it's a really valid point that no one's ever explored. So you say convenience, I say, duh. <laughs> it's about time that they finally can, make sense of it. Wayne Enterprises. What do you think Wayne Enterprises is? You can you can you can say da all you want to, but all of this all of this high tech stuff that's in this basement that uh that Lucius Foss is just tasked with, you know, hey, you're gonna sit here and, you know, monitor all this dead stuff and this is your job from now on. <laughs> it's almost like it's almost like it's almost like Thomas Wayne was like, you know what? My son is going to grow up and, you know, damn it, he's going <laughs> to, he's, he's going to, he's going to take himself on some criminals. He needs, he needs Kevlar. He needs a tank. Get on this right. That's all. That's, that's what this fit. <laughs> and, okay, and again, but then, but then I, think of it, think it, think of the other side of the coin. They were building this stuff for military. And the military decided they weren't interested in spending the money that Wayne Enterprises wanted. So it makes sense that somebody who's going to be a vigilante is going to use military tech. So how come nobody else ever went in there and took so some can, of it? In a town... It, okay, okay, hold, hold on. In a town that's this corrupt, that is controlled by Falcone, why has nobody ever figured out, hey, there's all this great stuff at the bottom of Wayne Tower... Somebody should go in there and get it. How come that's never happened? They did. Remember, they stole the microwave generator. Or microwave, yeah, the yeah, microwave generator, generator off of off of a ship that wasn't in Gotham. Yeah. Just, hey, just not there um, I mean, oh, it's like okay, we're not okay. Summary. Greatly accepted. So, 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 I mean, it does eventually happen, but it does eventually happen, but it doesn't happen here. And it's just, it's just weird that, you know, Bruce is the one who's gonna go down there and just 
All the stuff is mine Somebody anyways. Has okay. To be. Okay. Somebody I has guess to be. I guess I'm Batman now. That's it is <laughs> I didn't like it. I didn't like it. And the there's a reason why I don't like it and there's a reason why I'm picking on it. It's because in a movie that is that is this good and cohesive, there are a couple of glaring issues that I have that kind of fall apart and crumble a little bit. This is one of them. Hmm. And we'll get to the other one later, but this is just one of those small little instances where it could have been done a little bit better. Maybe Bruce stumbles upon it. There has to be cost. He stumbles upon this 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 fortune of technology that's going to allow him to be Batman, and there's no cost to it. He just falls ass backwards into it. Kind of wanted you to struggle a little bit for it, like you struggled for everything else. You did a really good job of this leading up to it. All of your abilities, your 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 stealth, your stealth like ability, and the um, <clears throat> all the, all the martial arts that you learned. You learn that through great sacrifice and climbing to the top of a mountain and almost killing yourself to get there in order to learn how to become this great person, but you stumble upon the things that are going to aid you. You can you can do a little bit better, and I believe that Nolan could have done a little bit better. Just yeah, well, I mean, the same argu- argument could be used about uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, where he gets, like, this Iron Man suit, which... Is not he, what Spider-Man's about. He, 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 is not what Spider-Man is about, but there was some sacrifice there. Tony saw something <laughs> in him, and, and he, no, hang on, Tony saw something in him, and Parker wanted to be the neighborhood-friendly spider. Parker wanted to help the little guy. Parker was, what's the word that I'm looking for? He was selfless. He was selfless in everything that he wanted to do. That speaks volumes. There's a difference there. My point is, my point is, first of all, let me just say, we just jumped right back into MCU. I know second, we did. I'm going to say. <laughs> second, I'm going to say. Okay, let's, it's hard, is, it's hard to talk about comic movies. Listen. It's hard to talk about comic book movies without talking about the MCU. It's hard. I know, because they're so great. But, um, oh man. So, my whole point is Spider-Man was never known for having a technical suit. He was known for having his own powers that he gained by being bitten by a radioactive spider. Okay? <laughs> so That sounds really ridiculous. If, if you, you take yourself out of, out of the world we live in, let's take ourselves... It sounds ridiculous, right? You know, because here we are. Here we are talking about Batman, this detective. You know, whatever this rich kid who has revenge on his mind and wants to fix his the the town he lives in. You know, the city of Gotham. And then we talk about here's Peter Parker, a nerd who gets bitten by a radioactive spider. And then, then I'm really glad there was start. no spider. I'm so glad there was no spider. I'm I'm so happy there was no spider in in Homecoming, or Civil War for that. Well, there didn't I'm need so, to be. I'm really happy. I'm just really happy that there wasn't a spider. Yeah. Anyways, back on Batman. <clears throat> Something else that they did in this movie that I really liked. I liked it because of it speaking, um, a little politically. Uh, 
Bruce returns home from college, and he is going to attend the hearing about uh, the man who killed his parents. He's going to be let go for thank you, thank you for turning over evidence uh, against Falcone and and his you know criminal organization. And Bruce has every intention of killing this person. Like if he gets set free, I'm going to take him out. But before he gets a chance to, he's taken out Lee Harvey Oswald style, and uh, (laughs) I loved it. I thought it was amazing. It 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 had a political undertone that comes later on in the film that I'm going to touch upon too, but it also mm-hmm. saves Bruce from killing, which has been a staple of Batman from the begin the, the beginning beginning of Batman in DC. And I really like this. I really like that they gave him that out. I thought it was a smart way of giving him that out, and it also shows just how absolutely corrupt and destroyed Gotham as a city is. And adds, and I'm going to say something here that may be a little controversial to some people, it adds to the, my understanding of why Ra's al Ghul wants to do what he wants to do to Gotham. I'm going to say this right now, he's not entirely wrong. And oh, we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit. I know we'll talk, talk about, about I know we'll talk about that here. in a little bit, but <laughs> it's it's it it just it adds to it adds to my pleasure of that scene. How did you feel about it? That scene? Yeah. Okay. So one thing I thought was great was let's go, Bruce. We don't need to see this. I do. Mm. Okay. You know? Right okay. off the bat, it's like, we don't need to see this. I do. Like, I need to see this guy die. Like, that's where he was. He's just like, if I'm not going to kill him, I'm going to sit here and, and just, like, watch him bleed out. Just like I watched my parents bleed out when he murdered them. And right. it's just like, it shows how much anger, you know, this Bruce Wayne has. And how it's like, wow, you know, look at what he's got here. And then, But we all know where Batman goes. You know, he goes in another direction where it's like, it's about justice. It's not about revenge. It's about justice you know Mm -hmm. so and that's that's what batman's always stood for um but we get that as the movie goes on we get it as he matures and grows and becomes you know batman but you know holmes holmes there has some good points rachel whatever um to a young batman the smacks you know okay let's let's talk about that they get in the car right I don't have a and, lot. Of, I, I I and I texted you earlier about this. I don't yeah, have a lot Katie of Holmes. notes about about Katie Holmes, um, portrayal as Rachel here. I don't like her in this mm. movie. She's a horrible fit. I think she was miscast. I think they could have picked a million different actresses that would have been better suited for this. She, to me, she came off through this entire film like she was phoning it in, like she didn't want to be there, and that she was just doing whatever was on paper in front of her, and okay, I'm going to do it, alright, here you go, alright, I'm done. I, I, out of a cast, out of a cast this strong, she's the most forgettable part of this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it does make some sense. Um, I see what you're saying there. Um, again, it goes back to, you can't win them all. You know, in every movie, there's there's one main-ish character that just doesn't quite cut it. And mm-hmm. I think that she was probably the weakest of the links. I'll agree with you there. Um, but in, in that scene with, where she smacks him, I thought one thing that was really cool about that smacking him in the face scene, there's no sound effect. Nothing was added. She just smacks him in the face. 
And that's real-time audio. Right. I, I know it's simple. It's just we're so used to watching movies and everything is like over foley You know, they had the Foley artist doing this, that, and the other thing to make things sound different. But mm-hmm. what I loved about it was she literally, Katie Holmes, smacked Christian Bale in the face twice. And it was real. And it's like, whoa, yeah. it, it makes it makes it a whole different thing than just watching a movie like, oh, there's violence. Oh, yeah, I watch lots of violence. But no, she was angry. She smacked him. And there was a real level of like um, real human, you know, connection there. Just be and it's a simple thing that Nolan did, you know, and as they did it, it was like. I I took that and said, "Wow, that's a really, it's a simple thing, but it it speaks volumes, you know, to really bring in oh. a human element to this, and not just taking it out and being like, oh, it's a movie, you know, let's just make a smack sound effect here or make it louder or whatever." No, they just took it straight up and did that. I know it's simple. Many people don't think about that, but as somebody who has made short films and been part of that. I think mm-hmm. it's a really cool way to do it. You know, you can overproduce or you can cut it back and make it natural and really blow somebody's mind because it's more real. Nobody right. thinks about that. Less less is actually more, you know? It's it's it's, you know, that's a common phrase that people hear, but they don't believe it. <laughs> Especially when you're making a I mean, I would definitely say this is a blockbuster hit movie. Um it was a big deal when this movie came out. So yeah, it was. to see something like that, it's a real big deal. Anyway, so we see we see the smacks, you know, real no sound effects. I I did always love that, but then you see Bruce Wayne, you know, this angry little rich boy. And I, I will definitely say one thing that I thought was really cool: um, practical effects, you know, practical makeup for age differences. Even something as simple as brushing his hair down over his face, you know, <laughs> over his forehead, and then doing some basic makeup just to make him look a little, a little younger. It was simple, you know, it wasn't ridiculous, you know, how many years went by, whatever. But then you've got Bruce Wayne walking in, confronting, as Bruce Wayne, confronting Falcone, you know? He goes in there and basically is just like, you know, I don't, I barely, I feel like he didn't even get any words in, but Falcone's just sitting there ripping on him. Falcone, goes, oh, Falcone, yeah. Fal- Falcone gave him the I'm too powerful for you kid speech. He, I'm sorry, I didn't hear that What? I said Falcone gave Bruce the I'm way too powerful for you, kid. And he gives oh, him that yeah. speech. They go through that spiel. And at the end of the day, Bruce gets thrown out on his ass. Bruce gets thrown out oh, yeah. the way that he should have been. In, in yeah. that situation, going in there with no gun, and he's witnessing the just how dire the problem in Gotham is. Because Falcone's mm-hmm. pointing out, they're right, sitting right over there. There's a prosecutor sitting right over there. There's two cops sitting right over there. There's a mm-hmm. judge. I got no problem gunning you down right now, and nobody's going to touch me. Come on. What are, you, what, are you, what are you thinking? Right. And, and, and honestly, like I think that was a very necessary scene. It's like, I think it was really, really well put together because we always hear Gotham is like, oh, Gotham is like bad and all these bad people. But you see this, you see the corruption here. That you, you never, you never, other you things. never really see it. You never really see it. And I have written that in the first half hour, 45 minutes of this movie, Christopher Nolan has done more for the character of Bruce and the character of Gotham better mm-hmm. than anything else that has ever put on screen. I think it's right. it's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, 
when Rachel takes them on that tour of Gotham and they're in the literal underbelly of Gotham and you're just seeing the slums and this is where your mob boss hangs out and this is the kind of people that are down here. Look at how bad this is and that's why I'm trying to do something good. What's your excuse? Brilliant. Mm -hmm. Absolutely brilliant. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought that was great. You know, you've got this, his friend, you know, works for the DA, you know, and she's like, she's trying to work on, you know, what she can do legally. And then you've got Batman, <laughs> who's not, <laughs> he's a vigilante, but they're, so they're fighting for the same thing, but on different, uh, I guess from, from, from different backgrounds, different sides, if you will. But anyway, I mean, we got Falcone. I thought that, um, oh, I lost his name. Tom, is it Tom? Hang on. What's his name on, there? Hang on. I can actually um, look it up. I mean, he's, he's, I can actually look it up. <laughs> um, it, I, I, he's always great. I mean, he's a, he's a uh, British or an Australian actor. Um, mm-hmm. He's been in a lot of great things. Um, I've always thought he was he was terrific in a lot of it, everything he's done. But his his character here very Tom felt Wilkinson. very comfortable. Tom Wilkinson. There we go. Um, so Tom Wilkinson really pulled off the character well. And I thought at the end, he's like, you got spirit, kid, I'll give you that, you know? But when he's talking, he just he just rips on his father, you know, which is obviously a very sore subject. My father was gunned down by, like, some petty thief who just wanted some money. And he's like, hey, you know, Chill told me about your father when I was in the joint. Yeah. He, he, said, he said when he killed him, he, 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 your dad begged. <laughs> Begged for his life. Be- begged. Like a, like a dog. <laughs> and, and he's like laughing at him. It's like, wow. And, and, you, and you sit there and you think, when he becomes Batman, this guy's the first guy to go down. <laughs> you know, you're like, wow, this guy just, he just upset this the wrong the first one to go. apple cart. This is the first one to go. But then we get, then we get yeah. Bruce uh, fleeing Gotham for whatever reason. And he walks up to that homeless mm-hmm. man, hands him some money, hands him his jacket, and he jumps on... <laughs> Afraid shit, hey, that's a nice and coat. he's gone. <laughs> and one one thing that's ironic is, I don't think Bruce ever really becomes a criminal. He he goes off, and yeah, he takes that apple and he takes that food. But I think we're supposed to be led to believe that everything was stealing was from his company in the first place. When he's busted mm-hmm. and he's taken to that Asian prison, criminal. all I don't of care the what your name is, <laughs> all of the boxes that are around them when those cops bust them all say Wayne Enterprises on them. Oh, so I know, I know. It's it, it's just it's good. It's it's a little subtle thing, and I think that was well, a good he thing to say throw the in first there. Time I ever stole, blah blah blah. I mean, he did say he stole. Yeah, he stole some. He stole some fruit to eat. But I think, I think yeah. later on, seeing the shipping crates to say when enterprises and him actually saying I'm no criminal, we're mm-hmm. supposed to be led. I think where we are supposed to be led to believe that everything that he took had his name on it anyway. Including oh, the food. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. So it, it, it again, again, you say Bruce because he's not, he's not a criminal. It, it's a really good thing. He's taking things that belong to him anyway and eating, feeding other people, right. helping other poor people who, and he gets to see why people in impoverished areas of the world steal. They're they're not doing steal. it because exactly. they're bad people. And, they're and doing it because they have to survive. Thing. 
Yeah, and that's an amazing thing from somebody who was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. You know, you have to you have to go like you know, hundred miles for someone to find you know to not know your name. Uh, yeah. Go back to Falcone there, but I mean honestly, that's the whole thing, and that's why I love that it. it everything kind of comes back to that. You know, it, it comes back. It's there's so many points where it goes back to everybody. Pretty much has Bruce Wayne's number. You know. Right off the bat, they, they know who he is. You know, Rachel's like, you're a jerk. You want revenge. Falcone's like, you're a stupid little rich kid. You've, you've got nothing. At that time, yeah, it's true. Like, he was, like, he had nothing. He had nothing to back him up. He had no purpose. He had no real, um, nothing backing him up in order for him to go forward or anything. So it's no, like, I'll, I'll... he really, he, like, everything that everybody said about Bruce Wayne at the time was totally true at the time they Absolutely said Absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. And I think that's great because no matter who it was, whether it was a good character or a bad character, they all had his number. You know? It's not so, difficult to get it's not difficult because when you're in that <clears throat> when you have been in the public eye for your entire life and like you said, when you're born with a silver spoon up your butt, everybody's gonna have your number. Everybody's gonna know your ins and outs. You're in the public oh, yeah. eye. There's no escaping from it. And that's I can't and again, imagine what kind of a life that would be. Yeah, and that's what makes this so great because you see Bruce Wayne changing. You see somebody mm. born with all of this. And I, and I think I think that's another reason that makes this movie so great because how many rich people do you know? How many people do you know that have mansions and like 50 cars? Zero. Not many. Yeah. <laughs> I, and if you I don't do know, know anybody them, like you're that. Pretty, you're probably pretty jealous of them, right? But... So we love to see somebody who's in that position realize what it's like to not be in that position mm-hmm. and to have struggles. So right. that's what makes this movie so much greater because the people who are not in that position, which is pretty much everybody who watches this movie, <laughs> there's a lot more people who don't have, who aren't millionaires, you know, or billionaires that, that you know, exist in the world i especially so. i especially love that he chose it he's the one who made the decision to go away and not be bruce wayne oh anymore. yeah i think that was kind of smart oh, yeah. and it, it, it it speaks to bruce wayne as a character <clears throat> mm-hmm. um Big time. we get our last our, our final uh flashback scene where bruce goes through the final part of his chaining and he's on this powerful uh hallucinogenic where he's envisioning all these bats and you know, oh, yeah, Raz, bats. Raz jumping out from from the army that's sitting there, and then we get to the end, and he passes. Mm-hmm. One little problem that I have here is that in order for him to become a, le- a member of the League of Shadows, he has to execute somebody who was accused of murder. Mm-hmm. And then they basically tell him, well, if you don't kill him, how are we supposed to trust you with leading these men to destroy Gotham? Right. Why are you telling Bruce your plans if you don't know if you can trust him or not? Yeah. Anyways, um, I don't want to dwell too much upon that. It's a small little uh, Bruce Bruce. Well, um, well, it, it is a big point. I mean, compassion is a weakness your enemies will not share. And that's exactly what Roz said at that point. Or, you know, Henry, whatever the heck you want to call the guy at the time. He's but not... honestly, the entire scene is phenomenal. So let's start off in the beginning of that scene. So we think, the, entire scene, um, the entire scene is phenomenal. I, I have yeah, no problem so, I mean, with we've the got scene. The, so, I mean, the hallucinogen, hallucinogen we, we get the fear of bats, which is a big deal. He opened up a basket, a bunch of bats come out, and you're like, okay, 
we get that. You know, his big fear is bats because as a kid, fell down, bats came out of the cave. Okay, got it. And one big thing, and it, it's it's a good and a bad thing, but in you know, in the uh, psychiatric field, if you will, um, one thing that a lot of people do. Let's just say somebody's traumatized by something, uh, or, or I guess you could say the, the term "hurt people hurt people." And this is kind of like going way way beyond. But people who are traumatized by a certain thing will recognize that certain thing instills fear. And they will take that and they can say, you know what? I will never let this be a fear of mine. I'm going to use this to strike fear in others. And that's what Batman did. It's a, it's a real psychological thing. Um, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's, maybe it's, it's like sim- simplistic in the movie, but in reality, if you took that and applied that to a lot of other things that people have as rational fears, um, it really does speak volumes. It, it makes a lot of sense because it really, it, it, it happens. I, I hate to say it. People who, who go through, you know, horrible traumatic experiences will go in the opposite direction you think they would go in. Let's just, I mean, I hate to say it, but let's somebody who's, who is, um, sexually abused might be might eventually go and be a very promiscuous person because they want the control they want to use you know what hurt them in order to in a way that they have control over it so bat and i know this is like that's a real deep dark way to go i don't think it's a deep dark i don't i don't i don't think it's a deep dark way to go at all i think you're bringing up i think you're bringing up in an age old debate that has been around batman for a very long time do you think batman is insane and i am of the opinion of yes he is absolutely out of his mind this is an insane person dressing up like a bat going out and being a vigilante is he doing a good job of it yes here's the point where you put in that 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 clip of you want to get nuts come on let's get nuts exactly (laughs) anyways no it it (laughs) It, it, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm absolutely on the side of Batman. There is some serious psychological damage done, and it oh, is yeah. manifested. I mean, a guy it's, that dresses up as Bat it's, clearly has issue, issues. It's, 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 it's manifesting in somewhat of a good way, but we're still dealing with a very dangerous individual here. We're still dealing yeah. with somebody who has some serious, there is some serious psychological damage going on. I think Batman is an insane person. Mm. Full, full-fledged insanity. This is mm-hmm. not, this is not somebody who is very well balanced. And I'm really glad that you brought that up because it's something that I've wanted to say for for years. And every time that I do, somebody wants to come down on me and say, no, what are you talking about? Batman's awesome. No, Batman can be awesome. But but Bruce Wayne is not well. Like If this if this happened in the real world, there would be a rally to get this billionaire some psychological help. He would be torn down from every pillar. He would be thrown into psychiatric care. Just, just by w- one time, he jumped off a roof. What did he do? He's dressing him like a bat. Wait a minute. Wait, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta get this person from help. Imagine, and this is really funny. Imagine it's 1985, and Donald Trump is on top of his tower in New York, dressed up like a bat, talking about I'm gonna fight crime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, I'm throwing that one out there. Yeah. 
So, I mean, there's definitely... Uh, I'm feel free, please feel free so, to disagree so, with I mean, me. You, so you, you just you brought up something that I, I always kind of thought, and it was a theory that I read a while ago, and, I mean, we talk about him being, you know, Bruce Wayne is actually um, insane. So there was that, that one theory that somebody brought up um, in the past, like, what if Bruce Wayne is actually in Arkham the entire time, and Batman is just a delusion that he actually has? Wow. All the villains are actually orderlies and doctors that work there. So that Poison is... Ivy is a, is a nurse who sedates him when he gets out of control. Two-Face is a, an abusive orderly who acts nice when the doctors are around and then beats up the patients when their backs are turned. Hmm. You got the Riddler, who's a therapist who asks him questions that he has a hard time answering. The Mad Hatter, a like a hypnotherati- uh, hypnotherapist who Bruce is convinced is trying to brainwash him. And, of course, we've got his arch nemesis, Joker, who's actually Dr. Joe Carr. <laughs> oh, wow. That's where, it gets, that, that's where it gets ridiculous. And then his assistant, Dr. Harleen Quinzel. Um, so they see Bruce as their, like, top patient, both dr- desperately trying to bring the man back to sanity, but Batman will fight with all he has to protect Gotham from Joker and Harley Quinn. This is so, really interesting. I've never read this theory, <laughs> but I, really? I like it. I've never read this oh, theory, it's, it's, but I like it. It's amazing. And now it's that amazing. you're saying I, it, I, actually, <laughs> I, I, I'm not opposed to this. This is actually a really good theory, and I can see it happening. Oh, yeah. I, there ha- one day, if this is, if this is a real days, theory, one day days, somebody's going to make have a fan M. Night film. <clears throat> Oh my god! Oh my god! That would be incredible. <laughs> there's actually there's actually one little subtle scene in this movie that makes me feel like um, Christopher Nolan kind of has these feelings about Batman. Or about mm. I'm sorry about Bruce Wayne, and it's mm-hmm. when he goes to the hotel in the restaurant and he has those two. <laughs> Um, models on each arm. He has a very psycho X face on the entire time Mm -hmm. he's there. And I have that written down. He looks like he looks like he is channeling his character from psycho that he did years earlier. And that's when I first came up with psycho. Yeah, exactly. And he totally like, totally like I fully believe that. Yeah, he's, being a little psycho-ish here. Like, just his face and his mannerisms. It's unlike anything we see Christian Bale do in the rest of this movie. Right, it, because I think at that that's, point, that's when he's that's when he's testing out his mask. That's exactly what they said. He's like, oh, well, you're supposed to be out there buying hotels and doing this and doing that. He's like, oh, good point. Right. Let me go do that. So he puts on this mask, you know, of this, you know, playboy, you know, running around doing whatever he wants to do. So that's that was one thing. It's like, okay, I'm buying this hotel and setting some new rules about the uh, pool area. <laughs> you know, it was it was ridiculous. Um, wow! And then Rachel wow. shows up, and he and you see Rachel show up, and finally he's like, oh, like this mask doesn't fit anymore. You know, and he, and he says right there too, it's like all of this is uh, not me inside. I am more. You know, yeah. he's trying to prove to her because he he realizes it. It's like, oh. You know, like, she just caught me wearing this mask. I don't want her to see me wearing this mask. This was for the other people. And, I mean, we we can see a lot of, um, 
you know, we can see a lot of, of different things where in, in our lives where most of us wear masks. And it's funny because if you remember the movie The Mask, you've got Ben Stein talking about the masks we wear. And he's like, oh, I meant like more in a, a meta, like, you know, metaphorical way. Honestly, yeah. In reality, we all wear masks for the occasions that we're walking into. We wear a mask for our the supervisor. We wear a mask for the time we're with certain family we don't see very often. You know, there's, there's very few people in this world that many people are able to just be themselves around because there's the fear of man, there's the fear of, you know, judgment and everything. So I think it's really nice to see a movie where there's a guy who's testing out all these different masks. It's like, here's who I have to act like when I'm here. Here's who I have to act like here. Here's who I have to basically be. And that's the whole question is like, what's really the mask? Is Batman the mask? Is the fake Playboy the mask? Is this angry, vengeful little Bruce Wayne the mask? You know, and that's what they try to discover in this and I think it's great the way they did it um, so before we even get to before we even get to that I want to point out the um, I alluded to it earlier how I felt like I was watching two different movies so after uh, Bruce refuses to execute this man who's accusing murder amongst yep. the League of Shadows he uh, finds out that they're gonna go try to destroy Gotham and he decides I'm not gonna let that happen I'm I vowed to show the people of Gotham they don't have to be fearful of criminals anymore. He burns mm. the place down. He saves yeah. Ra's al Ghul's life, and then he goes back to Gotham. This right. is the moment where there is a tonal shift, and it is night and day when we oh, yeah. see Bruce leaving Ra's al Ghul in that village to be cared for, and then the next scene we see is Scarecrow in a courtroom. This is where I feel mm-hmm. like we're watching two different movies. It does not feel okay. like the same movie from this point on until we get to the end and Ra's al Ghul is reintroduced and he burns down Wayne Manor. I don't, yep. on the surface, I don't have a problem with it. I just feel like it's almost like they had two different scripts in front of them and they merged them together to make one big movie. Like, instead of Dark Knight, the second movie in this trilogy should have been Scarecrow. But they mm. X that and brought that. That's what it feels like. I'm not saying that's it, what it, it was. It is interesting. They I'm, not saying, to kind of I'm not saying... I'm not saying... It's very interesting. It, it's interesting that they chose... <clears throat> excuse me. It's interesting that they chose him, and it's interesting that they ad- introduced him an hour into the movie. It mm. feels mm. like this should have been in the sequel or in a separate movie entirely. It doesn't okay. feel like it belongs here at all. This movie up until point. this point, this this movie up until this point feels like this is a, a a a Batman origin. This is a Bruce Wayne coming into his own and figuring out who he is and what he wants to do and how he wants to combat crime. Then all mm-hmm. of a sudden we get Scarecrow and the poison, and we're gonna poison you know the Gotham City water supply. Feels like a whole yeah. new plot. Feels like a plot that be- well, again I feels think, like a plot that belongs think, in its own film. I think the way they did it was interesting because you were introduced to Ra's al Ghul and then you realize that he was actually Scarecrow's boss in a way. He's like, "Oh, my boss is going to be here in a bit, and it's going to be a whole different story." The fact that it was all connected made me kind of forgive the way that it jumped like that because it's like, "Oh, this guy's connected here. Okay, that's the liaison." in Gotham. So I was I was like, you know, forgiving that. 
I can I, I see it now what your point is about it and I do agree with you but and I'm, I did and I'm, forgive and it when I watched it because you know at least it was all connected you know you didn't expect it to be connected you didn't expect the blue flower to be some big hallucinogen that that the scarecrow also uses it's like ooh interesting I like how they tied it together and I forgive it too I'm not saying that it's it's an unforgivable mistake not at all I mm-hmm. I'm yeah. on your side mm-hmm. with this but it's still the fact that in the middle of this movie, I had to readjust myself to what I was watching, and I expect more. I don't know why. Even looking back on it now, you would expect a little bit more. I shouldn't have to readjust myself for an entirely new plot midway through a movie like this. I I know. I get it. I get it. Especially, I, 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 especially, I you. and you would think, and you would think that, and you would think that Warner Brothers in DC wouldn't want to make any mistakes because you're coming off two of the worst Batman movies to ever come out and here we are and you're setting up your audience and everything is great and then you make this really left turn decision to switch gears and go in a whole new different direction it's it's um what's the word that I'm looking for it's risky this is yeah. a risky move. I think it it's worked. Risky. I think it worked, but there's still a mm-hmm. part of me that doesn't like it. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, no, I, I agree. <laughs> um, um, another so, thing okay, that... We, I, we talked about hot poker. One thing I will definitely say, and I don't say this very often, but gauntlets for the win, all right? They're sliding off a mountain, an icy mountain, and the gauntlets saved his life. Yeah. yeah. Pretty awesome. Again, it comes pretty back awesome. to practicality of, of awesome. the gauntlets. Yeah, um, it was pretty awesome. So, give you that. Um, so, I mean, I guess we'll kind of talk about, the, you know, the Batman costume, the Batman that, that comes in. Um, so, he goes down to R&D. I know you got a big issue with how convenient that was. But honestly, how cool is it that we finally get to see a flying Batman? I mean, we saw it's a really flying cool. Batman for a quick scene in Tim Burton's um, Batman Returns where he jumps off the building after, you know, they frame him to make it look like he killed the uh, um, the Snow Queen there or whatever her name was. Doesn't um, he doesn't he fly doesn't he fly off the building in the first one yes. when he um yeah. when he saves the and, model? No, not, yes, yeah, that's in, in Batman Returns. Yes. No, that's the first one. No, Batman Returns. Is it return? Batman returns. Um, okay, okay. Throws, throws the, uh, all throws right, all right, the, the all right. Okay, okay, yeah. you're right. Um, trust me. I've been drinking. So, <laughs> so anyway, that's the <laughs> one time he does it, and it's it looks so goofy because it's like that's not the cape he was just wearing. But <laughs> one thing I'm like, who thinks Oh my about god! This? I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. I like, forgot how like, goofy. I forgot how goofy <laughs> that cape looks. Yeah, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so, so anyway, we talk about this whole thing where it's like this convenient thing, and you've got this guy who looks like if you here look look at this fabric, memory fabric. You add a current to it. I'm sorry. I'm uh, that's a that's my that's the worst Morgan Freeman impression I've ever done. Um, he's like. <laughs> But basically, you add a current to it, and you can make it any shape, you know. And I was like, oh, okay, great. <coughs> so he he makes this really cool cape that works, like, 
it's it's just a, just a cape. It's just fabric. But then you touch it and you add a current to it, and it becomes this rigid thing that actually can be used for for like hang gliding. How cool is that? They finally did it. They finally made Batman fly, or you know, fall with style, as as Buzz Lightyear would say. So I no, really I, I put cool. in here. I like my my big note is the cape is sick. I'm just so happy that they finally did a really like really cool way of saying okay here's a cape that actually has a purpose you know and it's not like constantly this big thing he's carrying on his back it's just something that has this really cool technology yeah are you still are you still choking on on the old <laughs> bat, batman thing? all right anyway so wow oh my so, god do me a favor. Okay, go for like thirty seconds while I go one. get some. No, yeah, go go on for like thirty <laughs> seconds while I go get some water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do your thing. All right. So, All right. <laughs> so basically, um, one thing I thought that was really great. Um, one th- I keep saying one thing I thought was really great. No, there are many things I think it's it's really that were really great about this movie. Um, I I think what really happened here is um, Batman you know, came back, had this whole, like, hey, let's start a whole new thing about Batman. But The Dark Knight came out after this and kind of blew this movie out of the water. So you've got Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, and The Dark Knight Rises. Now, of these movies, most people would agree that The Dark Knight was probably the best of the three, which is odd for multiple reasons. One... Uh, this movie came out first, and second, I mean, like, two, basically, who thinks the sequel is the better of all of the movies? And then you think that the third one, because it's the final installment, would actually be, you know, they were going to try to, like, one-up what they did from Dark Knight, but, you know, they didn't. Dark Knight was clearly the better of the three. So, that's what that is, but... I thought that's what was kind of amazing about this, you know, movie. Is like, okay, Batman Begins was a great setup for the Dark Knight trilogy. Um, but the Dark Knight totally blew it out of the water. Because it Heath did. Ledger's Joker was just incredible. Um, for more anyway. than one reason. Um, I can see why this film isn't as regarded as it should be <clears throat> amongst uh, amongst superhero movies. It's not just that it's overshadowed by The Dark Knight. It, I think it's a little bit more than that, and it speaks to uh, what I said before and what I've been saying throughout this entire thing, was it feels like two different movies where you look at Dark Knight, that is a cohesive narrative from beginning to end. There, there, there isn't a tonal shift. You can say the same thing about Dark Knight Returns. Not a big fan of that movie. Dark um, Knight Rises. Okay, you can say the same thing about Dark Knight Rises. Uh, not a big fan of that movie. I don't like it as much as I like Batman Begins. But the one thing I'll say about Dark Knight Rises is, like the Dark Knight, it's a straight narrative from beginning to the end. This isn't. It kind of sets off on its own. I think that's why this movie isn't talked about the way that it should be. And it should be talked exactly. about. It should be discussed. It shouldn't be forgotten. It and doesn't that's belong why I up there. Us to talk about this tonight. It's not. I don't think it belongs up there with something like Dark Knight. But at the same time, 
I don't know. I kind of feel like when you're when you're talking about Batman, everybody brings up Dark Knight. Nobody ever brings oh, up this movie. I think no more people does. should. Be, be, I mean, I, so when I first saw this movie, I thought this was like like just an amazing take on Batman. I was so impressed so did I. by it. So did I. And I was and I used to watch it over and over and over again. I was I think I was still living with my my mother and my f- uh, stepfather. And it was you know his movie. I'd go downstairs every time they were gone. I I just watched this movie. Cause I thought it was so great. You know, right. and then years went by and then Dark Knight came out and it's like oh, <laughs> like people just forgot about this movie. It's, people it, completely it's say, like, forgot it's, it's about that, this. It's, it's not, it's not that <coughs> the movie was horrible. They were just like, I'm sorry, we're moving on to bigger and better things, and this movie is yeah. just amazing. You know, mm-hmm. and just the way they started off with, it's like, no, 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 I killed the bus driver. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just like, he was introduced so well. But again, yeah. we're not talking about that movie. So anyway. Um, yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. So, <laughs> okay, so let's go back to let's go back to Lucius Fox here and all the cool stuff, you know. I love how you know Morgan Freeman's just like <laughs> he just kind of comes off with, if you don't tell me exactly what you're doing, I don't have to lie, I, but don't think yeah. of me as an idiot. Yeah, he, he's he's just like he, straight up, and, and it's great because it, again, it goes back to realistic. You know, I love how he, guy, but I love. I love how he tries to lie, though. Like, you oh, want the suit? Uh, for, for what? Uh, Spelunking. <laughs> Sp- what? <laughs> you want, you want, a, you, want you want, you want a, th- you want a $300,000 Kevlar suit to go spelunking? <laughs> Buddy, come on. Really? Really? Like, just because I work down here doesn't mean I'm an idiot. Come on. You know, cave, you know, you know cave diving? You expect a lot of gunfire in those caves? <laughs> it's just, it's such a great line. But that's what he's like. If you don't tell me exactly what you're doing, I don't have to lie. But don't think of me as an idiot. And oh then, my God. so he goes into this, like, hey, what's that over there? Oh, the tumbler? Oh, he wouldn't be oh, interested you, in that. <laughs> you wouldn't be interested Cut to in him that. having a blast. And he goes, oh, Does man. It does it come mm. back? Like it's it's such mm. a corny, a corny rich kid having fun with money. Does it come yeah. back? <laughs> yeah. But but definitely like all right, you know let's let's make this work. Um, all right. And so we go through all this stuff, and then you have this big dramatic reveal in the shipyard. Honestly, it was. Th- I love this. It was epic. I, I put love the, I this. put the one the one word to describe it is epic. You know, yeah. you've seen Batman and you've got this whole thing like I, I keep going back to, you know, my my first introduction to Batman was, you know, was Tim Burton's Batman. You know, back in mm-hmm. what was it, 80, 89? Am I wrong? 89. 89. Wrong. 89. Yeah. So 89, Batman and you see this whole thing where you the first time you see Batman, you see a cartoon Batman. Watch that again. The cape is very cartoon, and it makes me laugh every time I see it. It's drawn. <laughs> when, you, when it just shows the shadow of Batman walking on the rooftop, watching the muggers, you know? And it's just like, oh, that's a cartoon cape. <laughs> right. Thanks, Tim Burton. But anyway, you see that. What are you? I'm Batman, you know? And you get Michael that in Keaton, this movie, too. You get that here too, but they but did it you, but so cool. He's just popping up. He just he's just like he's dropping down like Spider Man, taking people up, and it's like, what's yeah. happening around me? He's being a ninja, 
which you don't see Batman be a ninja in any other you movie. Don't. You see Batman. You see great. Batman. You see Batman be like, oh, he knows how to fight, but you don't see Batman be a ninja using the shadows to his advantage. And I love right. the way they did that. That's why they brought the League of Shadows into this and made I Batman love... very different. So his, <clears throat> his his reveal is just so epic. And he picks him up and he's just like, I'm, he pulls Falcone out and just goes, I'm Batman. And you go, oh, that is so cool. You know? It was awesome. So, it was awesome. This entire sequence was amazing. I love the camera work. How it doesn't oh, yeah. focus on Batman until it's absolutely necessary to do so. Everything happens exactly. in the shadows. Everything with Batman happens off camera, and you're just watching these people run around with these terrified looks on their face, like, what is going on? Shaking guns. People are getting... Yeah. Sh- oh, it was amazing. It was absolutely and amazing. Then, and, and then he goes, he does the whole, I'm Batman. <clears throat> and just before he flies off, he looks over at the homeless guy and goes, nice coat. <laughs> <laughs> Which is was it's, his coat. It's, it's Wait, so corny. You know what? And it's so and corny. it is it's really corny, but it's it's perfect. It's great. It is and perfect. It's <laughs> one of those things. It's one of those things that if this was any other movie, I would have issue with. But because it's a Batman movie, I'm gonna forgive it. I'm forgiving this, oh, and I course. love this scene. That this homeless guy is just in the middle of the shipyard, in the middle of everything that's going on, just hanging out <laughs> by his father, not ca- like all this gunfire and these drugs that are being brought in and this big bats falling out of the sky. What's going on? Nope. He's just <laughs> there by his fire enjoying his warmth and that's all he cares about at that <laughs> I moment. Know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> hey, nice coat. It's just, it's so ridiculous, but it's perfect. It's perfect. Um, it's absolutely perfect. And I am I am I'm gonna edit this part out, but I'm splicing in a little snippet of the future here. Because oh, yeah. the line the line, what are you? I'm Batman is the beginning oh, yeah. of the Batman soundtrack by Prince. So it that that's oh, another know. little hey all right. I've seen the future and it will be <laughs> Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Lawrence? Lawrence? (laughs) All right. Back in the yard, red and green. All right. Um, So. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, man. Oh, my God. So Batman starts we recruiting gotta, a bunch dude, of people. We gotta we gotta hang out and watch the and watch Batman just like the first Batman together. It's been be, it's been be way cool. too long. That'd be yeah. cool. So uh, and then we'll just we'll we'll just have a Batman day. <laughs> I'm gonna anyway. I'm gonna I'm gonna go through a lot of things in succession here because a lot of things happen at once. Uh, Batman yeah. is doing some running around. And he's doing some recruiting. He pays a visit to Jim Corden and he's like, listen, I'm here and we're both on the good side and I can trust you and you're a cop and you're on my team and mm. all right, see you later. I'm going to disappear without stapler. you looking. <laughs> Rachel, Rachel, yeah, with a stapler. Rachel, there's an attempt made on her life because she's being the nosy DA who's going to go against Falcone and there are some muggers out there who are going to go and try to kill her and Batman stops them and gives her some pictures and says this is some leverage that you can use and... He's tapping the right people, and he's putting everything in place to move against Falcone. The mm. problem is, is that the problem is, is they spend a lot of time on the person who isn't the ultimate villain of the of the movie. I have no problem right. with what ba- with what Batman is doing right now because he's going to use these these people later on in the film who are going to be an intricate role in Ra's al Ghul and. <clears throat> Uh, with Scarecrow 
But just like all this buildup about Falcone and he ends up just getting some poison blasted in his face and it's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I'm, a, I'm a little surprised about that. But it's surprising. It's very mm-hmm. surprising. It w- it's jarring. And again, I sound like a broken record, but feels like this is something that would happen in a sequel. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give you that. That makes sense. It, 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 I, I have no problem with it. And again, I'm forgiving it. It, it, it belongs here. I think this is a great movie to, to, to reintroduce Batman to the world. I think this is a great effort by Christopher Nolan and company. But this is just one of those other things. It's like, this feels like it would fit perfectly if it was a sequel. If the first movie is about Falcone and, and the criminal underworld and, you know, him being the mob boss and the police force and, and the DA's office being afraid of him and somebody needs to get leverage against him to take him down, mm. that is a brilliant first movie. You him, know what just made me think? You know what would have, no, what's you up? You know what would have been brilliant? Mm. What would have been brilliant if we didn't, is if we didn't see Ra's al Ghul come back until the third film. That would have been amazing. That would have been Ooh. incredible. Ooh. Yeah, right? Ooh. Uh, well, it didn't yeah. happen, so let's move on. But I mean, I'd honestly, say 2020. Whatever. Uh. No. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, a lot of really good points. Um, <clears throat> things are happening there. Batman's doing his thing. We see basically Rachel, Rachel Dawes there, gets blasted in the face with this poison. And Brutal. he gets into a tank and just destroys Gotham. <laughs> you know, I have that written down. I actually have that written down. If this was any other... It. If this was any other superhero movie, with the exception of maybe Iron Man, mm-hmm. this wouldn't go so well. This person would be viewed like as a villain. But because oh, right. on the other... But because on the other end, it's Bruce Wayne who can just easily dish out all this money and and repair everything just to be some good Samaritan. It's just so it's we as the audience forgive it. But I would love to know what it was like on the ground. What are the people doing? And that goes back to something I've said about so many action films. It's like when you see people like fighting on rooftops and there's like debris and stuff. I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. somebody got killed underneath. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> but they didn't show it. You know what? It's like there's tons <clears throat> you of know issues what? like that. I'm pretty sure that, speaking on that, and you just brought up a really interesting point, when Sokovia? he lets, no. <laughs> well, yeah, that, when he, um, when Batman is, is racing away trying to get Rachel to, uh, to his Batcave, mm. um, he lets the, uh, the, um, the balls or the chains or whatever loose from the back back of his Batmobile and the the police cars do some tumbles and some flips. Pretty sure somebody mm. got seriously hurt. He wasn't thinking about saving anybody's life in that moment. He was his mm. mind was so far away from that. It, it was it's ridiculous. Right. It's just you know, right. Batman doesn't kill, but here we have Batman being incredibly reckless. It's yeah. It, it's 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 why I think it's important that if you're making a movie like this, you have your vigilante or you have your hero not really have any emotional attachments because this is the kind of thing that is going to happen. 
Right, and I think that that's a valid point that's brought up in a lot of a lot of movies where, you know, it's like, hey, if you're gonna do this, you have to give it up, which is something mm. they did in Spider Man. They do do it, you know, they, where he basically okay. just said straight up, he's like, I don't love you, and he walked off, but he's like dying inside because he's like, I do love her and I want to be with her, but yet I can't because I need to save her, and so I think a lot of movies are getting to that point now. Again, well, you see it. You see it at the end of this movie a little bit, where Rachel essentially says, "You know, I love you, but you have to be Batman right now." When Gotham needs Batman, and we can't be together, this, this so I do mask. like. Yeah. I, I I do like the way that they ended the movie on that note. They do address right. that that it, it, physical well physical and emotional attachments when you're a vigilante. Bad news. Not not a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, while he's doing that, so he, let's go back to the whole driving on rooftops and just destroying libraries as he's driving through them. The, the, like, he's driving, the suspect is driving a vehicle. Make and color? Um, uh, it's a black, uh, uh tank. <laughs> well, well, what it's street just... is he on? He's not on a street. He's driving on rooftops. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's so funny because you think the people who are in dispatch just don't understand what's happening. And they're like, you don't know what I'm seeing, man. You know, but mm. all right. So I thought that was great. Brings her back, you know, sends it over to Fox. Get me the serum. I, I didn't write this in my notes at all, but I thought one thing that's great. I, I did like Bruce Wayne. Um, just being, a, you know, a person. So when when he like after he gets like gassed up and he's like, oh, Alfred, Alfred, help me. Oh. Um, you know, and he gets pulled well, back home. Before it, that, before, before 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 that, when he gets blasted in the face with this with this poison, he's then yeah. lit on fire. But luckily oh, he, fall, <laughs> he falls. But luckily, hang on. Luckily he falls. Out of a window and into a puddle that puts the fire out, and he's okay. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. And he just sits there going, Alfred, 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 help me. <laughs> and he's just in the back of the car. Oh my. Scarecrow. <laughs> or whatever, you know? And he goes back there, and then, you know, it's like, How long have I been, have I been out? Oh, three days. Oh. Well, that's pretty crazy. And then, you know, Fox is there, and he's like, yeah, I had to call him. And he's like, oh, well, I guess you know my secret, whatever. He's like, yeah, well, whatever. But um, he's just like, so he's like, I need you to come up with an antidote, and I need you to, you know, mass produce it. And he goes, oh, you plan on gassing yourself somewhere? He's like, oh, you know how it is. You know, you're you're going out to the club, and somebody's, you know, passing out a weaponized hallucinogen. <laughs> I, I thought... I actually thought his like levity there was was really well put together. It's simple. Mm-hmm. It's like you know how it is. You know, it, it was it was it was almost out of place. But it was like somebody has to be a real human here. You know, yeah. <laughs> with with yeah. all the stuff happening, so I thought it was a really well put in line, and I can't hold that against anybody. I thought it was it was definitely good. Um, so we get back to um, he does this, he does that. Hey, what are you doing? You need to get upstairs and you know smile to your guests. You know, so he goes okay. up. Yeah, I know we're, we're getting we're, to this part. <laughs> we're getting to it. So we get here, and he's out there, and then he realizes something's going on. He's like, "Oh, Bruce, I need you to in- I need to introduce you to this man, Mister uh, Raz Al Ghul, was it?" And this guy turns around, who's like some fake looking 
Ra's al Ghul. You're not Ra's al Ghul. He's like, you're not Ra's al Ghul, yeah. And then it's like, oh, is Ra's al Ghul just a, you know, whatever. Here he comes, you know, with his, with his particular set of skills popping up out of nowhere. And so he's like, you know, all these people are going to, you know, die, whatever. So he's like, all right. So he's like, how can I do this? Let me just be the, the jerk playboy character. And he goes, I hey, let me get your attention. Let me get your attention. Think he's like, I think he's love- being... I don't think he's being a jerk here. The way that he's going about kicking everybody out of the house. Um, and on one hand, he is doing it to save their lives because there's no other reason why Razzle would be here unless it is to cause some, some havoc. But his right. speech and spiel about getting everybody out, calling them psycho fans and freeloaders and phonies, you're mm-hmm. all smiling through your teeth at me. It mm-hmm. is... He's not... For some reason, I don't think he's wrong. I think it's the way that a lot of people look at the wealthy. And when I mean wealthy, I mean oh, yeah. you know, you look at you look at the top one two percent of the wealth in this in the world. A lot of them are like that. A lot of oh, them I smile know. through the teeth of and course. do what they have to do and say what they have to say and kiss the right behinds in and order to right get bucks. more money. Exactly. It's a it's well, a, it's the, a that's, commentary. That's why it's so great. Where it's like you sycophantic suck ups. Just go. it's a. You know, it's a it's it's it's, it's, it's amazing. Great. It's amazing. I mean, Bruce has been on this this amazing path and journey mm-hmm. where he has seen it all. He has seen poverty and he has seen defeat. He he's had his <clears throat> royal rich ass kicked through this entire film and then he goes through his training his parents have been taken away from him and he has seen the underbelly of the world and in this scene he has he's setting himself apart from Mm -hmm. the rest of them there is one thing in here that kind of made my heart go out a little bit was when that old guy in 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 the suit as he's leaving wayne manor says (laughs) The, the apple has fallen very, very from far tree. from the tree, Mr. Wayne. That, yeah. that, that's got to cut kind of deep. And you could see it on his yeah. face that it cut kind of deep. Christian Bale oh, of course. is incredible in this, in this sequence here. I have, oh, nothing, yeah. I have yeah. nothing but praise for, for what he did with this scene. Because, like I said, on one hand, he wants to save all of their lives. On the other hand, he has an opportunity to tell them all exactly what he thinks of them. He could have very right. easily been like, you know what, party's over, I'm not feeling well, or you know what, A, I have a business meeting that I forgot about, I have to deal with this, or you know, any other excuse that, that's in the mm-hmm. book to get all of these people out of his house. But no, he chooses to tell them all exactly what he thinks of them in that moment, and it was brilliant. Right. I agree. Good. So, so then we get to, uh, we got him, Raz Ogul here, very good line. I thought it was great because it, it brings up a point that I've been talking about for a few movies we have talked about. I feel I feel like we've talked about a couple superhero films already, um, or at least they've come up in what we've talked about. But every time a civilization reaches the pinnacle of its decadence, we return to restore the balance. Mm-hmm. So this line brings us to... It's okay. Every he's basically saying every time people get to a point where it's just like it's ridiculous, we have to come back and fix it. So we talk about balance. Now, what, what other th- bad there is, guy? There is there is another. Guy do we know that talks about balance? Magneto. Uh no. Okay. 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 Magneto. Who else? <laughs> I know where you're going. 
Thanos. You know where I'm going. Exactly. I, Thanos. I said Thanos. I just didn't want to go MCU. <laughs> Forgive me. I know, but you there is there is there is another. But you brought up X Men, which is close. It's Fox, you know, which is basically like if the Beatles produced Nickelback, you know. Wow. <laughs> but wow. Anyways. There is another. Great line. There is another. But that's my, that's there my is point. another. Here's here's a really big point, and I need to get it out. All right. So Go we've got it. a character who's bringing up a very valid point, talking about balance. He's not saying I want money, I want fame, I want power. He's saying I recognize there's an actual plague here, and we're here to fix this plague. So they think that what they're doing is a good thing. They don't think they're like, you know, some greedy person who just wants what they want, which, you know, some bad guys did, you know, in of the classic he, he cliche even, bad guy. So he comes he even, in saying, hey, I'm going to fix this plague, this problem, this cancer. And fr- you don't, you didn't see that in a lot of superhero movies before this. You don't see so that, and you this, also don't see, you also don't see the main villain openly saying my fate is with the people of Gotham, meaning that he's going to die with the people of Gotham. You don't see that from a lot mm-hmm. of villains either. There's also another right. line in here that speaks, to, that, that adds to, to what you said, the quote that you gave to him, is um, while Bruce is begging, begging to, to leave the people of Gotham be, and he's going to take care of it and let these people live, he uses the word live, Ra's al Ghul replies with, only a cynical man would call what these people have lives. And he's not. I, I have a really hard time finding fault with what Raz Al Ghul is suggesting here, and there's no way in 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 talking about this, the ending of this movie and 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 Raz Al Ghul and what he wants to do. There's no way in talking about this without getting a little bit political. I'm gonna try not to, but. There is going to be some people out there who are going to hear this who might take offense to it, and to you, I apologize. But um, there is debate, and there has been debate going on for 30 years about certain areas of the world that are corrupt beyond the point of repair that would benefit from just being lifted up and turned over and start from scratch. Ultron. And, huh? <laughs> Ultron can do that. Sure, uh, MCU. Ultron can Darn do it. that. <laughs> Sure, Ultron can do that, but uh, you know, I'm not gonna get into it. I'm not gonna say it. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. It has been on the, in the media and on the forefront of everybody's minds for about 20 years now. It's not going anywhere anytime soon. I think that's what this movie is 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 speaking to, and the narrative that is trying to portray right here is this conversation. Mm-hmm. Is it the right thing to do? Should we do mm-hmm. it? Do we have the right to even suggest something like this? If there is a city in America, if there is a town or a city anywhere in the world that is just so damaged that it cannot be fixed, it cannot be repaired, should it just be leveled? Is, is, should that even be an option? That is, and that, I think it's a really good question, and I think it's something that a lot more people should be talking about rather than just saying, well... No, um, the answer isn't, you know, eradicating it. The answer is, oh, um, sanctions that they're going to ignore. I went way further than I wanted to. Um, yeah, that's it. Uh, you're really quiet. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, what else do you want to say? My my point is, my my point with this is, it's, it's what I was getting at is the bad guys, quote unquote, in a lot of these new movies have valid points, like not 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 valid points, like oh yeah, well you know, like yeah, let's kill everybody, you know, it it's very. It, it almost makes you think, and, I, and I'm not saying that Hitler was right. But I'm saying in Hitler's mind, he was right. So these bad guys do things because they believe it's right. They believe that they are right. They don't believe they're doing something wrong. They're not just like, you know, psychotic and saying, I want to see chaos. Haha. <laughs> you know, they have some kind of valid point to it. Even Dark Knight. And he I'm didn't coming see from chaos. I, well,. Joker he didn't want to see chaos, to but he had a valid think, point. People are obsessed with money. Think... People are obsessed with this, that, the other thing. Okay, fine, fine. Okay, okay. What? I don't... I wouldn't throw Joker into a pot when you're talking about Ra's al Ghul or Thanos or even Magneto. They had oh, yeah, no. very. They had. They had those. Those three villains had very thought out and detailed plans and ideals that I think everybody can kind of look at and say, "Okay, I can see where they're coming from." I Joker is just a madman. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe the why. I prefer. I can see where you're coming from. The why mm. is more questionable to me. Um, right. Right. So there, there, but anyway, there, we get we get that. back to this this whole this whole thing between um, Bruce, you know, who that's what we're following here, Bruce and the real Roz. You know, they're talking about it, and he basically says, "I'll be standing where I belong, between you and the people of Gotham." Why? Great line. Hmm? Why? For because what, for what he, purpose? because he sees like Luke did. I see the good in you. I sense the good in you. Oh he my wa- he god! Wants- <coughs> Go ahead. He wants- Go ahead. He wants to. He wants to fix it. He doesn't believe that people should die. It goes back to the whole philosophy of Batman, which is you know people what? don't need to die. I can fix this without you know there what needing to be death. It was a lesson. I don't think learned. he can. The, mo- the the ending of this movie proves that he can't. The Gotham is left worse off than it when it began in this film. You end this movie with, you know, a police force that is corrupted. Half of Arkham's prisoners are just out there on the streets terrorizing everybody. You can't find mm-hmm. Scarecrow, and now you have Joker's calling card. The, the, the city is in shambles because of batman's charades with his batmobile and now he blew up the track on the monorail i get it to save people but still gotham as a whole is worse off at the end of this movie than when it began so why are you standing yeah. in between Roz and, and what for what reason for what purpose what are because you trying he to say he still save? has hope he still has hope oh, he can't he let go of hope, hope because that's what makes batman batman and where did hope get him where is he? Where, um, where, where, Hope, you're Paris. calling. You're calling for Paris. exactly. Drinking, Hope gives him to Paris. And, and, and drinking, drinking tea and, and nodding. Drinking to tea Alfred. and nodding to Alfred. <laughs> What's going on in Gotham? Is it any better? Uh, I don't know. Exactly. But exactly. I'm not saying he, you I'm don't saying know. Right. I'm just okay. But that's my. That's 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 the thing. That's the thing that you have to keep keep keep. Bleh. That's the thing that you have to keep in the back of your head when you're watching this movie. For what? 
why are you standing in between Roz and the people of Gotham when all you're going to do by the end of this thing is disappear? At the end of Dark Knight, the people don't need you there. You're, you're doing more damage than good. At the end of this movie, you've done a lot of damage and a lot mm-hmm. of really bad people are out there on the streets right now. Not because of you, but indirectly, yeah, kind of because of you. Well, it so, was going to happen regardless, whether or not he existed or not. That was the whole point, was he was going to go after it, Gotham. Wh- so, you don't know that. Whatever. We don't know that. Uh, if Ra's al Ghul, if, 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 <laughs> hang on, if Ra's al Ghul never encountered Wayne in that prison cell, we don't know what Ra's al Ghul would have done. That was the linchpin. I have Bruce yeah. Wayne in my midst. I now have an in. How is this, mm-hmm. it, like, really, like, real? Be, you, you brought up being realistic before, be realistic now. What was his grand plan if he didn't have Bruce Wayne? I don't know. To just go and do what he did anyway? I don't see how his connection to Bruce Wayne did anything there. Well, that was his but, end. And he, and, he, and he makes note what, of that what, what when... What benefit did he get from that? <clears throat> what but he makes note of that from knowing Bruce Wayne. You're going. You're going to lead these men. I see mm-hmm. something when and they're in the not. prison cell. When they're in the prison cell and they're having that conversation about I see something in you and you're not afraid of me. What are you afraid of? And the whole thing throughout his entire training. And when he finally makes it to, to Wayne Manor, you are my greatest student. What mm-hmm. What else am I supposed to think in in these moments? What else am I supposed to think? But. Wayne it was... It didn't benefit him. The, the conversation, the quote-unquote relationship that he had with Bruce Wayne did not benefit him in the least. I don't see how it did. What did he get out of it? It didn't get him in... It, 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 he didn't get some kind of, like, you know, security clearance card to get him into a place. He didn't, like, get money to do anything. Like, this, I don't see any benefit that he got from it. I I, like, what benefit did he get? Tell me what benefit he got from knowing Bruce Wayne knowing him i didn't say i didn't maybe maybe benefit is the wrong word and you have a point maybe i'm wrong here i, I just i don't but see knowing, what i don't see what knowing bruce wayne or having any type of encounter with bruce wayne had to do with it i feel like bruce wayne came over there and he's like oh good look he's he's on his way out let's let's make him go after them and maybe he can tear them apart from the inside without us having to do a big you know thing but it didn't work out, so he's like, okay, I guess we're doing the big thing. I, I don't see what benefit he got from it. So it's just happenstance? I, th- I, I think he always had his plan, and that was it. You know, he had his plan, and he's like, oh, maybe we can get Bruce Wayne to help. Oh, we can't? Well, whatever, we'll just kill him too. I think his plan I think his plan came into place the minute he found out Bruce Wayne was in that prison in, uh, in, in Asia, mm-hmm. or wherever, wherever yeah, they I, are. I, just, I still don't see his plan. Whatever, that's where we can agree to disagree. Um, Fine. So we've got him talking about like, oh, you know, Gotham tried to fix it. First, they tried economics, you know, and but then you know, they un- we underestimated certain Gotham citizens. You know, that was the whole thing. It's like first we tried like just destroying, you know, their financial thing, but we underestimated certain Gotham citizens, referring to Wayne's parents, gunned them down by the very people they tried to help. You know, it's okay. It's a really good, really point. You know, it's like they tried to help the city, and the city killed them. So why would you sit there and fight for them, Bruce? What's wrong with you? Is his point that he brings up, and then he goes and says this really dumb line that has always bothered me. 
You, you left me for dead. And left me for yeah. dead. Consider yeah. us even. And, and it's like he didn't leave no, him for dead. No, he didn't. He, he did brought not his leave limp body dead. back down the mountain to bring him to somebody who would take care of him so he could survive. It makes it worse because he recognizes this a couple of minutes earlier when he goes, uh, uh, compassion was always your weakness. When Wayne tells yeah. him, I saved your life, compassion's always been your weakness. And then a couple of minutes later, you left me for dead. What are you talking so, about? What? what? <laughs> when? When did he ever leave him for dead? He never did. <laughs> and then he says right out there, like, he'll live. Okay, good. I'm on my way now because he'll live. Like, he made <laughs> sure that he was not dead and then moved on. Yeah. It's like, it's a really, that is, that is the biggest issue I've always had with this movie. You know, I, I know I've been saying a lot of great things about this, but that is just a really, like, I, I guess it could have been a good line if it made sense, but it doesn't. It makes no sense. So anyway, Michael Caine goes over there and goes all super, you know, it's like, what's the point of all those bloody push-ups if you can't even lift a damn log? <laughs> you, know? you know, and he put, and he's like, he looks at him and he just like, Ugh, and then pushes it off like it's nothing. And it's just, it's, it's so funny where, you know, Michael Caine, I, it makes you think like, man, I, I wish Michael Caine was in my life because, you know, he could get, I could get through anything if Michael Caine's there just to, you know, make fun of me and get me out of it. And then yeah. he, he puts him down there. Then he brings him down to the underground railroad, you know, thing or whatever, <laughs> the old um, elevator. And uh, he's like, "You still haven't given up on me, Alfred." And then Michael Caine, in his pure, perfect Michael Caine accent, never. <laughs> Oh, Michael Caine. Or as uh, some people call him, my cocaine. Because if you say it right, my cocaine. My cocaine. Works. My, my yeah, cocaine. Works, I guess. <laughs> I guess. So, um, so uh, the plot, obviously the plot at the end of this movie is the uh, the microwave inhibitor. Is that, is, that, is, is that the name of it? Is that the name of the weapon that they use in the microwave inhibitor? Yeah, or, the microwave uh, emitter, yeah. The microwave emitter. Thank you. So yeah. mm-hmm. you have the microwave emitter that's going to basically turn the water of Gotham into a gas that people are going to inhale. And uh, Scarecrow yeah, and his cronies, Scarecrow and his cronies, are, Scarecrow and his cronies have been seemingly dumping the poison into the water supply for weeks, and no mm-hmm. one knew. Okay, fine. I, I admit it. This is a corrupt place. I buy that. No one really knew. Yep. With the exception of, you know, Batman letting Ra's al Ghul just, you know, die, I think that's all that really yeah. happens. I, I mean, um, after this, nothing nothing really happens, and then it's just, the end of this movie, I like it, I like it for what it is, but it just boils down into your typical action sequence, where the good guy wins, the bad guy is gone, and, you know, right. hope is restored into Gotham, I guess. Well, t- t- let's but. get let's get a little more specific there. So we see he pops up. Batman does his thing. And he goes and and just totally quotes Rachel right to her face. Like it's not even it's not even like like tactful. Like he says it in a way where he's basically saying, "Hey, I'm Bruce." Like it's not even like. Oh, here's a little, like, subtle something. He goes, it's not who I am underneath, but what I do that defines me. And she goes, Bruce? <laughs> uh, duh. <laughs> you know? The same thing, like, the same thing, the same... 
<laughs> Almost the same thing happens in Dark Knight Rises when he reveals his identity to Jim Gordon. You know, when he, he I forget it, but he has that line about, you know, sometimes the heroes aren't the ones wearing the capes. Sometimes the heroes are the ones putting their arm around a scared little boy. Right, Bruce right, Wayne. right. It, it, And it's just, you know, so I got no problem right. with that. Um, as much as I dislike Rachel in this movie, I did kind of like that scene, and I did kind of like that reveal, and the end of it, I, and her I coming just, to the I realization. It was, it was like, like, the fact she's like, Bruce? Like, it was just really, uh, just, just cut that out. Yeah. Just like, he says it, and she just goes, wait, like, you know, just make it like a subtle thing. Don't make it like, Bruce? Is that you? Bruce? Really? <laughs> <laughs> like it was just it was ugh, not necessary well anyway. Gary Oldman does the same thing man he does the same thing at the end of Dark Knight Rides where he has that confused look on his face he's like Bruce Wayne what uh, he it, it, almost the same look it's the same thing yeah but I don't know go watch that scene home, so. go watch when, when, when we're done here go fast forward to the end of Dark Knight Rises and watch when that scene when we're done here I'm going to bed dude I had three hours of sleep last night alright I got two oh. kids and I have a really taxing job so anyway and I have a no caffeine today which is surprising no no never mind I did have caffeine I had one coffee um okay I did so you know what's really funny that I never noticed until this last time I watched it a few weeks ago I found it visually humorous that Batman and Roz at the end had the opposite masks on. <laughs> okay? I know this sounds ridiculous, but remember Roz puts the gas mask on and it covers like the bottom of his nose and his mouth down right. to his chin. Batman mm. has the exact opposite mask. <laughs> where where the bottom of his nose and his mouth down to his chin are exposed. <laughs> and everything else is covered. For some reason, I, I found that aesthetically hilarious. <laughs> That's pretty. It funny. was just like, I, it's it's just like there's the whole like opposite thing, and it's it's. I mean, for me, it's funny because I I look at like you know the art of filmmaking, you know the cinematography of things. So when mm-hmm. I look at it, I go, huh. That's just really funny to me that it's like, oh, the bad guy has the exact opposite covered. <laughs> so. That was it. Was simple. Never noticed it until this last time. I'm like, huh, funny. Uh, then you got Jim Gordon hopping in the Batmobile, which is basically I don't even know why he needed to be there because it was all automated and told him what to do. So why couldn't it just do it without him? I don't know. Just a way to make him, you know, oh, what's this? Oh, what's happening here? Ah, oh, oh, I'm gonna blow up this bridge. Ah, oh. <laughs> like, like he had no idea what he was doing. So why when did he even need to be there if everything was automated? <laughs> When he's being lowered, like kind of into the engine in the shooting position, he's like, "Yes, exactly." That's all I think about. Oh, but it was funny. Uh, it was so funny. Uh, all right, so, so I, I did have a note uh, here that's kind of interesting. So Roz is supposed to be immortal. That's something that, I, like I said, is from other parts of his lore. That's not really Nolan style, you know, to have like this, you know, weird, like spiritual, hey, something mystical is happening here. So it's very interesting that Warner Brothers let him take Batman in this direction, you know, leaving behind a lot of the ridiculous, like, comic bookness of the original story. Right. I don't know. Yeah, I just thought that, that was strange because. He, I, I don't. I don't have a problem with it either. But I just. I find it strange that Warner Brothers allowed it to go in that direction and not follow like a you know, comic book type thing where there is that mysticalness. You know, because Ra's al Ghul is a mystical character, 
but they totally well, eliminated think, that from from this movie. I think I it's think good. at this point, I just think it's funny they they allowed it. I think at this point in two thousand and five, you know, Warner Brothers in DC probably looked at Batman as a dead franchise, anyways. Oh, this 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 new guy, this nobody wants to make a Batman movie. Yeah, go ahead, do whatever you want. We'll put it out. We'll we'll make a couple right. of bucks. And, um, and honestly, th- I I like the way they did it because again, it brings it back to practicality, realistic. Right. You know. Okay. Right. I'll give you that. So, um, now another thing that I mean, we talked about this is like the end of. Um, you know, his his quarrel there with Roz. He says, I won't kill you, but I don't have to save you. And he just blows up part of the train, opens up his bat wings, and flies away while Roz just closes his eyes and pulls it, which was funny to me because he basically Qui-Gon jinned it, you know, mm, Jedi'd it. Yeah. Closed his, yep. closed his eyes and accepted his death. And I was like, huh. I mean, Qui-Gon's not, it's not like Qui-Gon died, but he Jedi'd it. You know, just like, oh, here yeah. I go. You know, and again, that goes back to how cool would it have been if Roz was the bad guy in the in the end of the trilogy? You know, oh, cool. You know, that would have been great if they did that, but they didn't, so moving on. Would have been, it just, been, seemed, been a lot better seemed, than Bane. Oh, God. Uh, I mean, or, I, I, I love Tom Hardy, but... Hey, <laughs> you were, I was born in the dark molded by it basically he just he was like borat with a deeper voice <laughs> very nice how much that's harsh that's that's harsh that's this is my harsh. sister okay i love you pamela <laughs> like basically it was just it was just he was just borat deep deep voice borat <laughs> I mean, some somebody so, great, somebody great lines that came out of Bane, um, but I mean, I won't kill you, but I don't have to save you. It was not very Batman because Batman would have saved him. Batman would have saved him, so I think it's very. It, uh, I put in there like it's, it's more realistic, I suppose, because of what was going on. But Batman won't just sit there and say, "Hey, not gonna kill you," but. Peace out, homie, and just hop out. Like that's not. I actually think. Batman. I actually think it's. I actually think it's kind of a smart decision, and it's. It, it's. It's kind of a problem that I have with Batman. I don't have a problem with Batman not killing his enemies. I think it's a great thing that Batman doesn't kill. But there right. have been situations in 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 other films, and in the um, the comics and in the TV show where. Batman kind of should have let a couple of people just die. Ra's al Ghul is clearly one of those people. He's way too powerful and way too dangerous and way too influential to be left alive. And you can let this go without being directly involved for his death. A way to give Batman an out and a way to keep him clean and, and, and somewhat pure. you know. And I go back to... um, And I'm forgetting his name. I go back to the way uh, Batman Returns ended. And Selina Kyle was the one to take out, and I'm forgetting oh, his character uh, name. Shrek. But Shrek. Yeah. Totally a character that deserved death by the end of that movie. But it couldn't be Batman that did it, so it was Selina Kyle. I completely Probably agree with that, and I think it's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and at that point, she was only at eight lives, so yeah, she still had one more, so yeah, look forward to that. <laughs> Um, Six, no, but I, seven, I, I, I think sometimes, 
Yeah. I, I think so, sometimes it's 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 necessary. Sometimes yeah, how much for was Batman going to do at that point, you know, to to stop. You know, he wouldn't expect her to go ahead and sacrifice her own life to kill him. She, he wouldn't have thought that. So it happened. It happened, and he went went so went over there, ran over there to go check, and there's a, a Christopher Walken skeleton. <laughs> you know, that's the most. Really that's the most here. ridiculous thing. It's the most ridiculous <laughs> looking thing in the world. Yeah. Oh God. Well. Uh, so we get to the end of this movie, and one of the only scenes that I will say that I liked that uh, Katie Holmes was in was when she comes to the realization that her and Bruce can't be together because Gotham needs Batman and the Bruce Wayne that she fell in love with is gone and Mm -hmm. I like that I like that I like that nod I like that subtlety it was a very good way to end this film and then you know Bruce and Alfred they're gonna rebuild Wayne Manor exactly the way it was brick by brick (laughs) with you know a couple of modifications Well, yeah, well, let's, I, I was thinking about, you know, making some making some adjustments and, you know, focusing on the, <laughs> the, the what's this, the Upper East Corner or whatever it was, the foundation. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so uh, it, honestly, yeah, that makes sense. It's like, hey, let's focus on that. And it's, it's why I liked the way The Dark Knight went, where it's like, okay, they're clearly doing renovations to Bruce, you know, to Wayne Manor, so he's in this, like, warehouse under, or, you know, this weird, like, underground thing in near a shipyard you know i thought that was pretty cool it's like oh wayne manor's gone because it clearly you know burned down so mm. i like how they ha- i like how they had a consistency there it wasn't just like oh it got built in like you know a day no it didn't <laughs> i don't care how much no. money you have to rebuild a mansion like that it's gonna take some time so i, I do like the way they did it um so yeah i, I think it was um I, I think definitely really uh, great the way they, they carry that on. Um, so then we've got Batman talking to Jim Gordon in the end, you know, discussing a few things. Uh, that, okay, we see how the, how their relationship is now. Like he's not going to take him in. He gets it. They're, well, they're he's not. He's not. He's side. not commissioner. He's not commish, commissioner yet. By the end of this movie, he's, no, only he's still a detective. Oh, oh, he's no, lieutenant, lieutenant at that point. You're right. He's yeah, lieutenant yeah, yeah. at the end of the movie. Yeah, they make him lieutenant. Yeah. Yeah, so, so so he goes, we got this new guy, armed robbery, double homicide, taste for the theatrical, like you. I, I, I don't buy that they only have a double homicide on him. I don't believe that for a second. Joker has a way higher body count than this. No. Oh, of course, no. but, but documented? Come on. Documented? No. Oh, my God. Dude, come on. No. No. <laughs> I'm just oh. saying. <laughs> Great way to introduce it, though. Great way to introduce oh, yeah. the Joker. Just and you a, see a Joker it, and, card. And, and, and as soon as you see that, you're like, "Oh, cool." <laughs> yeah. You're like, we had, like, I, I, but at the time, at the time, we had no idea what no idea. Joker would be. No mm-hmm. idea. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and that's the end of the movie. Roll credits. The end. Overall, I think this is a great movie. I think this mm. is... In 2005, when Batman Begins came out, I think this is the best Batman movie to date, and that is coming from somebody who loves Tim Burton's movies. Mm-hmm. I put this one amongst all of the other ones that came out. Yeah, I have 
might nitpick some of my quarrels with it, but overall, this is a fantastic film. This is, yeah. and this is one, and like we said before, this is one that should be talked about a lot more than it actually is. Unfortunately, it is so it's overshadowed. overshadowed. It is right. so overshadowed by Dark Knight, and with good reason. I'm, I'm not saying that it shouldn't be. This is not Dark Knight, but this is still a fine superhero movie, and it is a movie that revitalized a dead franchise. And yeah, and I mean, I think we all, have to re- all the love in the world. Yeah, what you have to recognize with movies like this is the Dark Knight would not have existed if this didn't come out. No, it wouldn't. You no, know? no. I mean, it, it had to. There had to be some kind of springboard to be like, hey, let's try to revitalize DC characters in movies. So they made this Batman Begins, and you have Chris Nolan. And honestly, like one thing that really sticks with me too is I'm really glad that they decided to keep Christopher Nolan for all three movies. Absolutely. A lot of times, a lot of times they get rid of the director and they move on. But if they did, it would have it would have gone all Schumacher on us, you know. And I think it would have it would have it would have gotten corny to the point where it's like, oh, here's another superhero movie, you know. But the fact that they kept Chris Nolan in it to basically bring like complete his vision for what he had for it. I mean, again, Mm -hmm. it, it it stinks that you know Dark Knight Rises did not stand next to dark knight um, that's nobody's fault i don't i i, yeah, I it's have nobody's a lot fault of, i have a, it, it's just eh. i have a lot of forgiveness for that movie they had right. to redo everything i of course it, it's one of those movies i still look at that movie very fondly it's not something that I watch often, but when I do mm-hmm. watch it, I appreciate it for what it is i am oh, of course. i don't hold it up. I don't put it. I watched that movie without the expectations of it going to be anything like Dark Knight. I walked into that movie right. with those same expectations. This movie is not going to be the original idea. I have to just get that out of my mind now. I'm looking at this almost like I'm looking at a standalone film. This is a standalone mm-hmm. Batman movie that I don't want to associate with either of the two previous films. If right, you do right. that going into Dark Knight Rises, it's not that bad. It is a good movie. There are problems, oh, yeah. but it is still a good movie. You're saying going into actually, it's funny because actually, you and I went to go see it together at, at uh, the yeah, IMAX. Yeah, we did, <laughs> and I think, and we yeah. probably had a conversation like this, exactly like this. <laughs> we probably had a conversation exactly like this. So Jeez, roll 20, credits. It's, it's 2019 now. Okay, so the so, yeah. Jeez, when did Dark Knight Rises come out? Was it 10 years ago at this point? <laughs> Wow. Might as well have wow. been, right? I mean, might as well. When was it? I. I mean, so we got, we got. I'm gonna. S- no, I'm gonna say like 14. Mm, I'm gonna know. say like maybe, maybe, maybe 13. Like 2012. It could have been. It, it could have been 12. Yeah. Was it 12? 2020. 2012. I'm looking at it right now. That, it was that's what I thought. Yeah, that was that was the year we got married. So that makes sense. Yeah. So I mean, it's been a good chunk of time since that movie came out. Yeah, it has. Seven years wow. ago. So wow, um, yeah, yeah. So that's and unfortunately, it. now they keep on recasting Batman over and over again for this whole new thing. Just, I mean, I, I'm I'm still I'm still like on the whole like why did they why do they keep on recasting Spider Man? <laughs> you know, so they're gonna keep on doing Batman now. It's like, come on, guys. <laughs> you know what? I'm actually not mad about recasting um, Spider Man. Tom Holland is amazing. 
I do love Tom Holland. I, Andrew he Garfield is, was was very, 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 very not what I expected for a Peter Parker. So not at all. I mean, it, the movies weren't horrible. <laughs> they were horrible. Um, they okay. were they were bad. I'm sorry. They were bad. I'm sorry. I thought Toby Maguire did a good job as like you know a 40 year old Peter Parker. <laughs> oh, so did I. I I got no problem with Maguire. Um, mm. so. I'm not going to bring up any news. I'm just going to go into what we're going to be doing next week because it's my turn to pick. Ah, and I've given again, this a lot of thought. We're going to cut this out. <laughs> I've given this a lot of thought. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm the guy who kind of rips things apart a little bit when I see them. And you're the guy who's very optimistic. And, well, there was good because A, B, and C. And you're very upbeat. I want to hear you rip something to shreds. <laughs> okay. You know what I'm going to say. I, I, um, white noise? Nope. <laughs> it's either white no, noise nope. or alone in the dark. I would not rent those movies out to anybody when I went nope. to Blockbuster. Nope, 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 It's one of the biggest disagreements you and I have ever had. Oh, dear. What is it? Yeah. T3. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I'm and I'm doing it and and I'm doing it for a couple of reasons. Like, I I kind of am starting to feel like that. Like, I'm the only one who's kind of like this didn't work, this didn't work, and this didn't work. And you're a very building it up is it? No, it's good, it's great, and, and you're uplifting it. No, we're gonna are stop that right that now. To, are you telling me that I have to rewatch the theatrical version of T three? I am telling. Yes, you have to rewatch the theatrical version of T three because I know that I know I know that I'm gonna get something good out of you with this. Yeah, and need, hey, I think you need to talk to the hands. <laughs> <laughs> now. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. I can't wait to hear. I can't. Talk to the hand. Talk to the hand, honey. And he grabs his hand and just breaks it and goes, No. (laughs) No. Oh god. Oh god. Before he's about to get up, before before he's going to get on the motorcycle and he pulls out those Elton John sunglasses. Well, he was in a truck. Yeah, it wasn't the motorcycle, it was the truck. He gets in the truck and he puts them on, it was what was in the pocket. These big star glasses. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Whatever. That's, that's, that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. Uh, all right, well, I'm going to yeah. stop the recording now. <laughs> so, all right, man. Uh, happy travels, uh, you, uh, you people out there who actually sat and spent all this time listening to us talk about nonsense uh, that for some reason we find interesting. Uh, old movies. Yeah. Um, you know that we we feel have had some kind of impact on uh, how we feel about other movies. Um, I mean, honestly, here's what it all comes down to: is we have a deep appreciation for the films that have influenced us. Uh, we don't know what we're gonna do <laughs> with with all of this knowledge, this useless information that we have. But we just useless like information. It, useless information puts its best. It, nothing. It's worthless. <laughs> yeah, this is completely we're just, worthless. <laughs> we're just movie geeks, and you know, we, we, you know what? It goes back. We're movie geeks, and I think you said it best when we were talking about doing this. Let's be productive with it. Let's be productive with all of this useless knowledge and be a movie geek. So now we're trying to do it. 
Why yeah, not? I mean, what what else are we doing with it? All this time, I've Nothing. spent so much time just like, you know, collecting all these movies. Which, hey, if anybody's interested, I've got a ton of movies for sale that I don't need anymore because I just don't need to have them. I don't need to have all these DVDs and stuff. So, if anybody is listening and is interested, I've got totes, big Rubbermaid totes full of DVDs. Um, <laughs> plug, but um, honestly. We do this for fun. This is this is what we love to do. We love to talk about movies. We like to rip them apart. We like to talk about what what influences other movies, um, what redefines genres. Uh, so we talk. You know, I, I think you know a lot of people will sit there and talk about movie news, things that are coming out. But we just wanna. We really just wanna take this time to just you know, really just talk about what we love, what we've what we've known from our childhood, from our teenager years, our our adulthood. You know what's influenced us and what makes us want to keep seeing movies. You know what makes us yeah. want to you know maybe get to a point where we start making some more. You know I haven't done short films in a long time, but um, I've definitely pulled from a lot of others uh, in in my uh, my experience, taken some some liberties with certain things and said, hey, you know what? I like what they did here. Let me do like an homage to that. Um, and I, th- I think, you know, hey, we'll see what happens with black and white commentaries. Right now, it's just it's just us doing our little commentaries. Maybe in the future, we might own our own record store. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> black and white records. <laughs> black and white records. Uh, All right, man. Someday. Uh, someday. Yeah, someday. Good night, everybody. <laughs>